Blog Talk Radio. Hilarious. <laughs> Painting a damn set, me. 
but yeah, so I've been kind of busy, kind of getting my creative vibe on and stuff like that. So I'm also taking this costume design class, right? Oh, shit. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. It's just a part of my theater degree, right? I mean, a bitch know how to sew a button, right? <laughs> but I am not no sewer. Like, no. Like, sew. And in class, you got to sew, sew. So I bought my little first sewing machine, right? <laughs> and so it's like, I'm, I'm like, damn, I'm scared. You know, I've been doing little little stuff on my on the one at school. And so this one, my new one, I haven't done anything yet. But I'm going to need all the damn help I'm a, I can get. So y'all need to pray for me. <laughs> but I have a really good uh, teacher, and she's been really great at helping me. I'm sure that my shit that I'm making is going to be looking, <laughs> it's going to be crazy. <laughs> You know, I'm a person that has an eye. I can tell you what I like to have. I can tell you everything, but I'm not a drawer. I'm not a, you know, a put-together type person. I do crafts or something for fun. I'm not really that, I'm not that, uh, like, artsy creative, but I can see, you know, or in my mind visualize what I want, okay? So it's kind of hard when you're actually doing this shit. <laughs> a mess, Okay. I miss, but I am, but you know, it's so fun because I'm learning so much, and I learn so much from a lot of young people because they, you know, they be they they even though I be feeling like a dinosaur sometimes, but I really learn so much from them, some of the new newer things and everything to do. So that that's been my week. That's why it was so crazy, you know, this last week, and I haven't been able to get on and actually like have a show and talk with y'all. I started to have one Wednesday. But it was crazy, right? It just kind of got crazy, okay? So I got this play, the play and everything going on, and I think the play is in November, so we got a few weeks and stuff, but I've been, you know, getting the set ready, and then I'm also helping another uh, another play with their set and stuff like that, so it's, it's been a lot, okay? But it's good. It's all good, okay? All right, so, like, let's talk about some of the reality shows. Okay, I have been watching Love After Lockup. I'm starting to catch up on it. Not completely caught up on it. What I said was right about the the couple that I was talking about, the the black guy this, whose grandmother was concerned about him living with the black girl and everything. Yeah, we're, I'm going to save all that probably for next week because I feel like I need to get, catch all the way up on Love After Lockup before I talk about it and, you know, and tell you all what I really think about it. I'm caught up on Billions. Billions is so good. If y'all been watching Billions, Billions is really, really good. I mean, right now they're, uh, you know, you know, Axel has been on this thing against Michael Prince, right? And so <laughs> it's such an interesting dynamic about how they brought in this new uh, uh, person against Axel and. And now it's not just uh, I forget the attorney general's name him, but it's it's now it's it's uh, Michael Prince. And you know, here's what I think about billions. What I kind of hate they keep playing with the idea of Axel and oh God, what is her name? The th- I, I'm I'm completely going blank with names. But the therapist, the residential therapist for the, his company, who they used to have some friendship in college or something, we don't quite know what that is. But they've been toying with them getting together for the last several seasons. And I'm wondering, are they ready to 
dip their toe in all the way with this love affair between Axel and her. So I want to see if that's going to happen this year. It, it, could, it will probably add a greater mess, right? <laughs> but I can't wait. So we'll talk about power a little later on in the shows, maybe a couple shows down the road or something like that, okay? And what else? Oh, Kanan Power. Oh, Power is so good. Power 3. You know what? Kanan has been, I've heard mixed reviews from people about Kanan because it started off very slow. But listen here, y'all. The build, she she did such a fabulous job with Power 3, Kanan. Uh, and the reason why I say she's done such a, I mean, I forget her name. She's done such a fabulous job, the writer for this. Uh, has done such a fabulous job with it because she really spent time character building with Kanan. And I think it's important because Kanan is a character we knew out of power who who got killed in power, right? But we're, and he was one of the main characters. So we have to – we're going back to see his life and how Kanan became what he became. And I thought it was very um, important for her to go slow with this. She has such a great set and such a great uh, cast of actors, you know, especially that mama, that one who plays Kana's mama. Oh, she's fire. But she she really took the time with character building. I love the way she's done this. This writer has done this. And now it's getting to the meat and the grit and the bones, and we're seeing how Kanan becomes Kanan. And let me tell you, I love it. I love it. It was starting off slow, but I understood what she was doing. She needed to build those characters because they're, those are characters that showed up in the original power has grown ups. But she's going back to 80s, 90s post-era and writing these characters, and she's done a hell of a job with it. So shout-out to the writer of power. And I forget her name. is. I'm, I'm, y'all know how I be forgetful and stuff right now. <laughs> Y'all know how I be up in these streets. I got a lot on my mind, right? But let me look her up. What's that? But she, uh, oh, let me, I'm going to look her up because I I, I'm getting tired of seeing her. What is her name? Uh, let me see. Uh, Courtney Kemp, yes. Courtney Kemp has done a hell of a job. I think almost even better out of all of the uh, out of all of the the three the three powers, she's done such a great job with power three in writing. I mean, because it, it, and I'll say this for the second one, she had to be exciting for power two because power two picks up right after Ghost's death, right? And Ghost family is you know rebuilding its allure with the sun now, right? So she had to start off with some real shit in Power 2. And, you know, we're seeing character build along the way, but she had to start off and be very action-packed for Power 2. But she, she couldn't be that for Power 3. And I love, love the way she's moving in it. It, it really shows that she's probably one of, the, one of the dopest writers, I think, right now on television. I mean, how she And she's grown enough over the years, even though I found – uh, power very unbelievable, and I used to call Ghost the dumbest drug dealer. I still feel like that Ghost and Tommy. <laughs> but however, she did she did such a fabulous job in writing that unbelievable script, which I believe thought was unbelievable. She did a great job in it. 
so I can't say enough about Courtney Kemp and what she's done with Kane and Power 3. She's done a hell of a job, okay? So if you guys haven't been watching that, watch it. Take your time with it. It's going to get better. I mean, it's going slow, but you're learning about each of these characters, very powerful characters. And it, and that mama, I don't know who the lady is who plays the mama, but she is such a presence on screen. Woo, she fight, okay? Great actress, all right? Uh, so I think that's the catch up right now. I haven't been watching Growing Up Hip Hop. I haven't been watching what's the Judy? Judy Brat loves Judy. Huh. I haven't really got a chance to watch it again. So, uh, I, I tape it, but I haven't got a chance to watch it. So I'm gonna try to catch up, <laughs> and I'll try to tell y'all what I think about uh, power. I mean, not power. Of the growing up hip hop stuff and all that, okay? All right, man, it is time. We haven't had it. It's a word in so long. <laughs> and so today, I was thinking, you know, that it's a word will be um, <sighs> I thought it would be because this week we've seen so much. We're gonna I'm gonna later. We're gonna talk later on in the show about the migrant issue. Uh, illegal immigrants is what I would really say. Uh, Haitian, the Haitian situation at the border. Uh, even though, you know, I have an affinity, you know, for Haiti and what the Haitians went through. I mean, you know, went through as being the first black Republican republic. And I understand, you know, what the fuck the white supremacists are trying to do. But I don't think sometimes a lot of Haitians understand, right? And so... Um, I really had, you know, with all of this going on, I just thought, and all those people at the border, you know, I, I felt sorry for them, you know, because humanity, you, nobody wants to see anyone suffer. However, America is at a point, and black America in particular, where we cannot, we just can't, we can't take in everybody, and it's been, when black America has gone to bat for so many in the diaspora, not that black America has been perfect, okay? Black America got its shit too. But a lot of times we have gone to bat for other groups of people only when they get here. To And I heard, I heard, I love, I heard black authority talk about this week. I heard that. I heard a number of black voices talking about this in different ways this week. And I agree with all of them, all of them to a point. Uh, Tariq, it's it a number of people that's been speaking on this, but you know, black people extended the hand of Pan Africanism. Black Americans—that's where Pan Africanism started in Black America, okay? Because uh, Black America had this need to connect with others in the diaspora. I mean, I don't think we understood what we had done personally as a group because. You know, we were under such, we've been under such harsh racism in America. In some ways it's been easy, but in other ways it's been a mindfuck, you know? It's like Chris Rock described it perfectly when he said, uh, he said the American government is like the person, the guy who, the uncle who molested you but paid your way through school. <laughs> I mean, that's the shit. I mean, that's what black America, can you understand the consciousness of that? I don't know, you know? Uh, that's how it's been for black America. So in some senses, we've had it really great, but in some senses, we've had it really, really harsh, the most harshest 
former racing, the longest endurance in slavery, um, you know, and the most harsh uh, slavery, which is shadow slavery, um, our ancestors. So, but in our suffering, and, you know, a lot of people are going to mistake this and say, oh, it's sounding coonery, but no, you know, because from suffering sometimes becomes blessings, sometimes blessings. You grow through some shit. I know some of the people who have went, I know some people who have went through the worst shit. Like, like some of the, some people who, some of the most successful people you will find have been through some of the most crazy shit in their life, only to come out better. Only to use it, those 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 dark times made them stronger. I feel like that is Black America's inheritance. That our dark times in America, the for all of our dark times, we have been given quadruple inside of us. We just don't realize it yet for our trouble. Quadruple spiritually for our trouble. We just didn't figure out how to harness it all the way yet. And that's what's bringing me today. And maybe maybe this it's a word will work for a lot of people across the board. You know what I'm saying? Not just, but it's really to me a message, you know, uh, uh, to black America in some senses. But... There's a great story. Y'all know I love valuable stories, right? Y'all know I be cousin and shit. Y'all know I love Bible stories. Y'all know I love the Lord, even though I mean, yeah, I got a mouth, right? But there is this story in the Bible about Jacob and Esau, two brothers, right? And uh, there is it's a story about uh, giving up your inheritance for a little bit of nothing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Let me see if I can look it up so I want to give you all kind of um, a little idea of the story. Uh, I know I'll be taking it on here looking up stuff. But there's this story uh, in, the, in the Bible, okay, uh, and I want to tell it right, so I'm, I'm going to uh, – I'm not going to give you guys the actual – uh, scripture, scripture, but I'm gonna read it from uh, like from maybe one of those like this something the story told the story. Okay, so this is uh, I think this story is found in Genesis uh, 29 through 33. I think the 25 or Genesis 25 or something like that. You guys, I have to get it right. But I'm gonna read the story from uh, not this one. Let me figure it out where to read the story from. Okay, I'm going to read it from uh, uh, Bible study tools, okay? But it says, Jacob and Esau were twin brothers born to Isaac and Rebekah. The Bible tells us that they struggled together in Rebekah's womb, a foreshadowing of their um, of their troubled relationship. Esau was born first and thereby, and thereby became legal heir to the family birthright, which included, among other things, being heir to the covenant between God and Abraham. The birthright was a link in the line of descent through which the promised land Messiah was to come. In contrast with Esau, who was skillful, who was a skillful hunter and his father's favorite, Jacob 
was a plain man, dwelling in tents in his mother's favor. The Hebrew word for plain is the same word as translated in other scriptures, has perfect, upright, undefiled. So the word plain refers to Jacob's character as a man of God. Uh, it says Esau came from the field. Uh, Esau came, this is the story of them. Esau came from the field, and this is from BibleStudyTools.com. It says Esau came from the field, and he was Thanked, and Esau said to Jacob, "Feed me with the same red pottage stew, for I am faint." Now, so this is Genesis 25, it's in 29 to 30. Knowing the character of his brother, Jacob replied, "Sell me this day thy birthright." Esau had no interest in spiritual things, so he agreed, saying, "I'm at the point about uh, to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me?" Esau could not have been at the point to die by missing one meal, but he revealed how worthless he considered his birthright. When Isaac was close to death, it became it became time to give Esau his blessing. Isaac asked Esau to go hunt for a special meal after which he would pass the blessing. Rebecca overheard and helped Jacob disguise himself as Esau and bringing Isaac the meal instead while his brother was still hunting. Because Isaac had poor sight, he was tricked into giving the blessing to Jacob. Esau was enraged, and Jacob had to run away to save his life. And it says the writers of Hebrew referred to Esau as a profane, you know, godless person before their birth. God knew that Esau's descendants would become enemies. Okay, it's a whole long story about Israel and everything, okay? But listen, the license from Jacob, it, uh, it, it Esau says, Esau's decision to sell his birthright is utilized as an illustration of ungodliness, a godless person who will put worldly attraction over spiritual blessings. By his instructive example, Esau, Esau warns us to hold firm to what is truly valuable, even if it means rebuking the desires right away of the flesh, okay? Uh, here is, and this is for hard for everybody, because everybody has been in the position of Esau, okay? Everyone. And some days we still have... Esau issues every day in our lives, okay, where we may choose uh, something temporary or something fleeting over something permanent or something uh, more, um, something uh, that's long and long-term better for us, okay? So you say, Carlotta, what does this have to do with black people? Because this is what I think. I think black America is coming to a point. I feel like sometimes we can be Esau-like. Sometimes we can forget our birthright. We can forget where we've come from, what our ancestors who had been on the soil for so many hundreds of years, who endured slavery, some in, 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 uh, some people who were um, already here on the soil before slavery, who weren't slaves, black people who were on the soil before. That's another whole long other story that were here before slavery, but we have endured so many things as black people. And as our ancestors have endured so many things. And sometimes that birthright came, the birthright to be black American, to be a part of black American culture is a special birthright for us. Our ancestors went through hundreds and hundreds of years of hell to achieve what we have achieved in America. 
the last thing we need to do is to give away our birthright easily. We need to respect where we came from, care about what we shouldn't be getting tricked into giving away our birthright for temporary feel-good moments, for temporary uh, hookups with people who don't want to hook up with us and, you know, all, you know, always hoping that uh, black pe- other black people will, will, we can, like, you know, we fought a lot for, um, for integration in America. And there's nothing wrong with that. We, we fought a lot for immigration. Black people did. But at the same time, it doesn't do us any good. People who are immigrating here are immigrating here that are our enemies, and we keep going to bat for people who don't like us. It is putting, planting your seed in uh, a soil that is not good. We planting our seed and not getting anything back in return. We are planting our seeds on bad ground. So here's what I say. If we understood who we were and the inheritance in which we came from, we would not give away that birthright so easy for a little bit of something we think is going to happen. But we got to trust within ourselves that, hey, you know what, as black people, we understand what white supremacy is. We understand what we've been through in America, and this birthright is sacred, and we have to protect it. And we can't just give it up to anybody, and we got to stop giving it up to anybody. doesn't mean we don't love other people of color. We don't, I mean, we don't love other black people around the world, but this birthright is sacred. And we, we respect you, the sacredness of yours, but we have to protect ours. And so I hope that we do not become Esau's, giving away our birthright for a simple meal because you just got hungry one day and you gave it up and because you thought it was so worthless and so useless that you would give it up for nothing. And that's anything. You know what I'm saying? Anything in your life, anything in your life that is worth something powerful, don't give up your birthright for something temporary, for a temporary meal. What is your birthright? Find it, understand what it is, and protect it. Or what is it? Maybe it's something, maybe, you know, I'm talking about, I use this to talk to black people about, uh, black Americans, about our place in the diaspora and how we need to protect our birthright more and everything. I use that Bible story, but you can use that Bible story in a number of ways. Your job or maybe if, um, uh, maybe your, your loved ones or your family or your, uh, or you know what I'm saying, you have to determine what is sacred for you and what is not sacred. You know what I'm saying? What is important for you, and don't give up that you something that you work or someone else works so hard for you easily. Protect uh, the uh, the things that you're granted that's around you, okay, and the things that you're given, and you have to determine <coughs> what that is for you. But don't give away things of importance. So easily, and I know we all struggle with that. Okay, I'm, and we're gonna continue to struggle with it because we are humans. Humans struggle sometimes between giving away the the uh, giving away something permanent, long term for today. 
You know what I'm saying? We do it all the time, <laughs> right? And so sometimes we need to be guarded and thinking and, and, and think about what is important. You know what I'm saying? And I know what I do happen in my life. Cause, you know, I can be uh, a person who can, you know, who can simplify things and sometimes not be spiritual about it. Okay. So everything you got to understand of uh, your spiritual inheritance, your spiritual place. And guard who you are and don't give away the thing that makes you you, the blessing of you so easily, okay? And that can be in anything in life, okay? It could be in relationships, affairs, marriages. You couldn't give away yourself in by getting by a marriage, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Right? Too easily or whatever, you know what I'm saying? You have to determine, or an affair, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It could be a number of things. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, hey, don't get mad at me now. I'm not saying everybody so everybody ain't in a good relationship because you're married. Everybody ain't in a good relationship, to, uh, you know. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying you have to think of your, I don't want people to get rewrite me. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not happy. I get that. I understand everybody not happy. I'm just saying to think of your birthright and think of who you are and who you connect with and protect your, your anointing, protect who you are, protect your space, your values and everything. Esau he was had a birthright and a blessing that he was supposed to get from his father, but he gave it away. He thought so little of it that he gave it away for a damn piece of uh, steak. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, some of us got greater temptations than that. Shit, that's piece of state, damn. But you know what I'm saying? He gave, but that's how unspiritual he was. He was so unspiritual that he was like, uh, I don't care about uh, my this whole uh, my father's whole uh, 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 everything my father worked for his whole estate and everything. I want that piece of steak. Can you imagine somebody giving away their whole inheritance for a piece of steak? That fool gave away his inheritance for a piece of steak. Then his brother knew that, but knew and still tricked him, right? You know what I'm saying? So it ended up with the blessing because he was he was frivolous with it. And I'm saying that sometimes we give away the blessings that are for us for spiritual pieces of steak. We all do it. We all do it. And so for those of you who have been very careful not to, good for you. But for those of you who sometimes don't recognize when we're giving away something sacred for something like a piece of steak or something, like ain't nothing, we got to be very careful, okay? All right? So, and have discernment. This was for I made for black folks to talk about what's our birthright as far as being black American and what our ancestors went through and what our ancestors have left us. But it also can apply to life stuff too, okay, all the things I mentioned, numbers of things I mentioned. It can also apply to our livelihood and everything we go through every day, you know, that you have to ask yourself, you know, what am I, am I, give, what am I giving away here? What is the... You know what's the what's the cost, and is the cost worth it? That's basically it. And you have to be spiritual about your decisions in life and everything. And I think black folks got to be spiritual about where we're at now too. And we're gonna talk about that a little later on into the show. I'm gonna talk about it a little bit more when I talk about the Haitian migrant issue. But I just wanted to bring it to you from a spiritual space. 
because we spiritual people, okay? So, but I also wanted you to use that in every uh, form of your life, okay? So that's your it's a word today. I hope y'all liked it because y'all was like, you ain't, Carla, you ain't gave it. it's a word in a couple weeks. That's because I was doing shows that I was doing off the top of my head. And I know some of y'all got upset about Chloe. <laughs> Listen, I like Chloe too. But I will get on people who I feel like don't have their own stuff, don't have their own shit. She coming out here like Beyonce 2.0. Yes, I had some words to say, and I felt like it was all good. And I'm, I'll say it again, but I can't remember the hell what I said all that shit. <laughs> so y'all have to go back and listen to the VMA shows to get that. <laughs> but I will say it again, okay? I said what I said, right? Man, I saw some a meme. You know, sometimes we be putting crazy ass memes, all right? I saw somebody put up a meme the other day, and I had to think about the meme because I put up some crazy memes where I go, "Shit, now is that true?" <laughs> you know, where you you have to be like, is it, "Wait a minute," you know, like you where you think about it and you you go, and the, it was it was I guess you know this we have such a culture of people. Sometimes we say stuff that's really crazy, but somebody had this meme up, and I said I want to address that meme when I get on the show because I feel like it's crazy. But they had some like nobody criticizes losers, nobody gets jealous of losers. Remember that the next time somebody uh, talks shit. And I was laughing at this because I when I immediately read it, I thought about it, and then I said, wait a minute, people criticize losers all the damn time. Well, alleged losers in this society. I mean, how many of you have been critical about your drug addict family member who who's been losing on in losing in drugs their whole life, walking around? People criticize losers all the time. That's not a fucking true story. <laughs> you don't have to be successful to be <laughs> to be uh, not criticized. And you know, losers don't just come in. I think what we we have this we come from this and it says nobody gets jealous of losers but people are jealous of all kinds of people and there are a lot of people who are jealous of losers they just don't know they're losers <laughs> I, I saw it and I had to address it I was like what okay you so like losers exist on all levels of life. Because sometimes in our society, in this society, we come, we have a society that thinks that the famous and the rich and the celebrities and everything are all winners because they have a form of monetary success or they have a form of fame where everybody knows their name and stuff. But it's a lot of fucking losers who are famous and rich, <laughs> right? Because they might have made been successful in one area of their life, but they may be losers in terms of how they treat people or how they treat others and stuff like that. Money and fame or some or or, or or even success in your career doesn't make you necessarily a winner. <laughs> it makes you more uh, more visible for people to criticize you, but it does not make you a winner. Right, so people can be je- jealous of losers. I mean, of, of you know, 
it's that's why it's like when I was back in the day, I made a, I had a whole show where I said haters are the most over. It's one of the most overused words because everybody ain't hating on you. Sometimes people just constructively criticizing you, and you go, "Is you a hater?" <laughs> no, some of y'all needed constructive criticism. <laughs> there was no hating going on whatsoever. And I feel like there now we have this thing about, you know, with celebrity, not only celebrity, but just with successful people financially and stuff in general, people love to say, well, at least they getting paid, at least they this and that. It does not matter. You can even have losers who are financially poor. Losers come in every, you know, they and they still don't treat people right and everything. The lit the litmus test to me for winners, this is my personal opinion, okay, are people who are sometimes at different stages in your life you can be going through different things, okay? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you could be you can be one of the most real rounded people on the planet, but you may sometimes you may run into a financial problem. Or you may have a not be so great in your uh uh your uh uh, your health, how you treat your body or something like that. It's a number of things, but I think the greatest uh, litmus test for a successful person is, and what I'm, what it's really coming down for me to, and the more and more I live and the more the older I get, and it's something I try to tell myself to, you know what I'm saying, because sometimes I forget about this shit myself. <laughs> but it's, the, to me, uh, a person being aware of themselves and being aware of their creator and having a spiritual experience and relationship with your creator. And that will create the steps towards having a winning life. Now, that won't be the world's part. The world considers winners people who are who have money, like the Warren Buffetts of the world and all that stuff. And I'm not saying they're not successful. They are successful in a material state. But you can have people who have money and be the worst people on earth. You can also have people who don't have money and be the best people. And it can be vice versa, people who are poor and be suck in their mindset, you know, and people who are rich and who have beautiful mindsets, okay? So I had, laugh, I had to laugh at that one. It was funny to me. And I put up some crazy memes, too, where I had to go back and go, what the hell? So I may, you know, what I may do is when I see memes or something like that, I, maybe I'll make a, I was thinking about, you know, making a segment show of where I talk about crazy memes that we put up to try to, <laughs> to try to say, you know, I guess, I, you know, I think it's that it's the way people make themselves feel better. Like, say, for instance, you know, if somebody's criticizing you, well, nobody criticizes a loser. You know, that means I'm a winner if you criticize me out in these streets. <laughs> you know how we do to make ourselves feel better. It doesn't mean you're not a winner because people criticize. It's just that people criticize all forms of people or things or, or you know what I'm saying, or, or when people say, oh, they just hating on me because, you know, I'm just, and people do hate on people and are jealous of people. You know, it's so funny. People are jealous. That, you know, when they say people are jealous of losers, just people are jealous of people who sometimes, if you live in poor, it, 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 now people will consider them the losers of society. The world considers the, the, them the losers of society, but you'll find jealousy even in the most poorest neighborhoods, okay? It, it, uh, one person be jealous because somebody got a brand-new television. <laughs> or somebody got some brand-new shoes. 
<laughs> or something like that. You know, people, we're humans. People, humans find many ways and reasons to be jealous. You don't have to be what's necessarily deemed to be a world winner, uh, worldly winner to have people jealous and criticize you. It's just funny. I had to think. I had to con- co- confront that. That was funny because a lot of celebrities love to use that. Celebrities love. Celebrities don't like to be criticized because they live in what you know. And this doesn't mean that all celebrities are narcissists. Okay, I understand because we all, you know, if you're in any form of public speaking or something like that, like I'm a Leo ascendant, you know, so we we. we all people who have that somewhat thing for celebrity or thing for the limelight kind of have this vibe in them to be seen, okay? Because it's a natural thing. Like, I fight. I have my Scorpio goes, I want to hide. <laughs> but my Leo says, no, you got to get your ass out here. So I'm, I'll, be, I'll be in conflict all the time because <laughs> my Scorpio likes to remain hidden. So, uh, you know, so it, I, I get it. But the celebrity world, has such a narcissistic bubble around itself. You know what I'm saying? You know, where every they hate when anything on the gets to them. When they hear any kind of criticism, they they make themselves feel better by saying, "Oh, they won't say it in my face." And then somebody says it in their face, "Oh, it's rude" or whatever. But you know, their whole thing is, you know, they want to be told how fabulous they are all the time. And you know, sometimes a lot of people do be hating on people. Okay, there's not, it's not. Some people really do, okay? But sometimes it's constructive criticism. Sometimes it's banter like I do on here. I have my favorite target. Who's my favorite target? Beyonce. I you know, I yeah. So so you know, it's not I don't I'm not am I jealous of her? No way. But do I do I see things that uh I don't like? Of course. Do I banter with it and joke with it a lot? Yes. <laughs> do I am I hating on her? No. So, you know, there, I think some people will say, oh, because you're just hating because she got money. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what her life likes. You know, I, don't know. I mean, I know what I see and what's put out in the press or what we've seen her done so far, and I try to address those issues on the show. But I don't know her personally enough to be jealous of her. Shit, I don't know nothing about her ass. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, Sometimes you get you see somebody's inside of their life. It could be great, but sometimes it could be fucked up, even if they're famous. You know what I'm saying? You be walking away like, shit, I'm glad I shit, I thought I might want to be something like her, but damn, her life messed up. You don't know what people are going through personally, okay? So it's just, you know, I just find that hilarious. So that's you find a lot of celebrities in celebrity world and a lot of a lot of fandom kinda try say those things today to protect themselves from sometimes the fact that everybody doesn't like them or something like that, okay? I don't know. I hope y'all get what I'm saying, okay? That's another it's a word moment, I guess, <laughs> from a meme I saw, okay? All right, so we get when I get back, we're going to talk about Costco limited toilet paper. See, you know, we're not going to go through this toilet paper shit again. I'm <laughs> toilet paper shit. We're not going to go through it no more, okay? Here they are already starting with the toilet paper. They starting already. They starting with the toilet paper. Nobody wants to go through that, okay? And we got to talk about the man, you know, Scholastic Scholar, the man who was over Scholastic Scholar, right? One of the main owners of it. Talk about side chicks coming to fuck up. <laughs> Alleged side chicks 
But it's alleged that the the the, per, the scholastic, scholastic man who was over scholastic scholar recently passed away. One of the main owners. Check this shit out. He left all his money and everything to his alleged side chick. Damn! He didn't leave the family nor his kids a damn thing. And left her the company. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. That's her. Ooh. Oh, was he married? Is he married? Because, you know, that's why wives got to, you got to be paying attention to what the fuck they do. You still don't never know, but you still got to pay attention to make, like, 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 to see if the kids getting left. You got to look at this shit every now and then. Oh, my God. Talk about a come up for her. But damn, what did the family do that he was so, that he didn't leave them nothing? Or what did her coochie do? <laughs> that he would leave them all out. <laughs> so we got to talk about that. And, y'all, we got to talk about Kelly. Where the hell is Kelly Price? Oh, I'm just like, Kelly, you're going to have to come on IG Live and let everybody know that your ass is okay. Okay? Because otherwise... We done had this girl, Petito, what's the her, and rest in peace to her and her her family, sorry to her family. But it's been a girl, I ain't, a woman nobody knows that's been covering the news media for the last two weeks, and she's been missing and everything. Now, here we got Kelly Price's ass missing, and it's an internet uh, <laughs> uh, uh, thing right now. Okay, so people need to know, people are just want to know, where is Kelly Price? Okay. Because Kelly Price's family has got her on the missing list, okay? The missing, the National Register for Missing People. Okay, so, and then there you got people who are saying, well, now, you know, I had an attorney coming out saying that she was found, she's okay, but it's nobody, it's not Kelly. None of the per- people coming out are Kelly. So, you know, <laughs> which is strange. Because, you know, and her family is saying, her close family members are saying, we haven't seen her, and allegedly the boyfriend is not letting them come to the house or anything, okay? Now, I know Kelly Price from watching Divas. Remember Divas, the R&B Divas? I was so shocked when I saw R&B Divas. Because I guess I had this picture of Kelly Price in my head, and, you know, it was shit like I pictured. <laughs> But she was on R&B Divas. Kelly Price was off a chain. <laughs> so we know Kelly's ass can be extra, okay? We just know that. <laughs> right? So if you watch that show, okay? And if you if you follow Kelly, Kelly, her, her IG, you know, her IG lives and everything like that and everything. So listen, here, we need to know what's going on with Kelly. Kelly, are you okay? Because people is out here, people out here don't know what the hell. It just seems to me. That if I'm on a national missing persons register list, okay, maybe I don't want to even be bothered with my damn family, okay? I don't want to be bothered. But my family, be, let me tell you something about my, let me tell you, let me tell you about my family, okay? <laughs> my grandma, who's in her 80s, okay? If my family called me for like a whole week, uh, a week and a half or something, and I just got out the ICU, they found that I checked myself out the ICU for COVID or whatever, and I and 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 my my spouse was not letting them talk to me. Him talk to me. Them talk to me. And he kept saying, "Well, you know, she's safe. She's at an undisclosed location. She <laughs> it'd be it'd be all hell regular." <laughs> 
my grandma would be on every news channel right now. Uh, Kiki, you need to call home. Kiki, my mama be cussing, everybody be cussing. My daddy said it'd be a whole mess out in these streets. <laughs> okay, I was just saying. So listen, and I'd have to come up. I'd have to show my my face because I'd be scared uh, for my spouse. I wouldn't want him to get in no trouble with them. So I would be having to show my damn face and say, hey, I'm okay. You know, I just want some time alone. Leave me the fuck alone. You know what I'm saying? So whatever. Because I know the kind of family I got. <laughs> so that's why I'm just saying Kelly Price needs to do the same thing, okay? Because, listen, it is sounding strange out in these streets that you, and you're a public figure. So if she's okay, she needs to leave. Hey, put your face on blast and let people know that you are fine, all right? All right, so we're going to talk about that when we get back in a whole a lot more. But y'all know how we do. we got to play a little bit of music. And uh, you know what? What are we going to start off with? Let's start off with uh, Incognito. I've been waiting. It's the CC Show. I will be back in a moment, y'all, okay? If my words should betray my emotions, I hope you'll understand just what it is. If my words should betray my emotions, I hope you'll understand just what it is that I'm feeling.
During the retailer's quarterly earnings call Thursday, Costco's chief financial officer, Richard Galanti, cited supply chain issues such as port delays, container shortages, and COVID disruptions for the limits on purchases. Get ready to say hello to inflation. Galante also cited a spike in demand linked to Delta variant, which has quickly spread across the U.S. We're putting some limitations on key items like bath tissues, roll towels, Kirkland signature water, high demand cleaning related excuse related uh, to uptick in Delta related demands, Galante said. Galante noted uh, delays and shortages on furniture as well as chip shortages impacting the avail- availability of items such as computers, tablets, and appliances, okay? In August, Costco posted an update saying some items at its locations may impose temporary purchase limits. More com- more Americans are reportedly stockpiling toilet paper again as the Delta virus surges. During, the sim- during similar upticks, toilet paper buying last year, retailers placed limits on how much consumers could buy in one shopping trip, okay? Um, in a recent statement to U.S. Today, Kimberly Clark, which makes cotton nail and uh, Scott tissue and Kleenex, said it is monitoring the situation closely. Georgia Pacific, which makes Angel Soft and Quilted Northern toilet paper, as well as Brownie and Sparkle uh, paper towels, said customers may be experiencing small demand surges locally, and we are responding. Okay, this is some bullshit. Okay, we're going to have to go through not only toilet paper shortages, they fucking with the water, it's, and they getting ready to fuck with prices. Okay, we already had a price with rental cars when you go out of town and shit. You it's too damn high to rent a damn car. Okay, it's like you got to, it's damn, it's crazy. The shit is literally, it's nuts, okay? So I don't know if some of these shortages, they say it's because they have shipping shortages. I don't believe, you know, some of the shit I don't believe. It's, it's awful convenient, right? And I just feel like it's America getting ready to look at not only are, is, since Biden's been in and had the borders been fucked, he's just, it's just stuff. Like, he's just fucking up every day. But it's, it's, it's now we've got to look forward to inflation. And, I mean, America is going to go, it's going to be nuts within the next couple of years. It's some scary shit. Prepare accordingly. Man, oh, wow. It's just nuts, okay? <sighs> we talk about Kelly first, or do we talk about the Scholastic? I think we talk about the Scholar thing first, okay? Scholastic owner cuts family out of will, leaves $1.2 billion. Do you hear me? Wait a minute. Let me, let me explain this. $1.2 billion firm to ex-lover. Now, some people say it was the side chick to jump all. Oh, I don't know. But apparently she got some $1.2 billion coochie cat, okay? <laughs> I mean, it was so good. She made him cut his damn family out. <laughs> I mean, the whole family. You don't get shit. You the kids, kids, you don't get shit. <laughs> you know that part. Sunshine. When I was in high school, and I still have this friend, Demetrius, who we, we who we, you know, and and he's he's one of my, uh, you know, all all my high school friends and stuff are on Facebook, and he still calls me that to this day, Sunshine. He had everyone in the school, cause he thought I looked like Layla Rashawn. Okay, it wasn't because 
And so he had everyone calling me sunshine. It was so embarrassing when Harlem Nights came out. It was so embarrassing. But remember that part in Harlem Nights when the guy calls home, he's dating the the, the hooker who's laying over Sean Place who looks like sunshine. And he was saying coochie, her coochie was so good, she throw, you, you could throw it up in the air and, and for some reason come back and whatever, it looks like sunshine. I forget the saying, right? And so in the story, in that boot in Harlem Nights, he calls his wife and kids. He's like, I ain't never coming home. <laughs> Hey, can I speak to your mama? Tell your mama, I'm never coming home. <laughs> apparently, Sunshine had that kind of coochie, right? <laughs> well, this girl had apparently got that kind of coochie, like Sunshine coochie. <laughs> oh, my God. So, and I wasn't being called that for that. I was being called because I look like Layla Rashawn. He thought I looked like Layla Rashawn, and people started buying into that idea that I, look, I don't look anything like Layla Rashawn, <clears throat> except we both have those cheekbones. <clears throat> Excuse me, you know those little high cheek, but when we smile, they kind of they kind of point out or something like that. I think that's what it was. Okay, but it says the late owner of Scholastic Scholastic Corp, uh, the publisher of iconic children's books such as Harry Potter and Magic School Bus, reportedly cut his family out of his will, leaving the company and his personal fortune to his former lover. M. Richard Dick Robertson, Jr., who died suddenly June 5th at age 84 on a walk in Martha's Vineyard, the 1.2 billion company and his personal possessions to his longtime romantic partner, Lowell Lucius, 54. Woo! Shit! <laughs> she had a hell of a come up. <laughs> For these guys that talk about hitting the wall, oh, she hit the fucking wall. <laughs> oh, she hit the fucking wall and the jackpot <laughs> for the manosphere. Who also, uh, who's also Scholastic's chief strategy officer? The Wall Street Journal reported. The journal reviewed a copy of the 2018 will in which the late Robertson described Lou Chase, who's been at the company for some 30 years, as my partner and closest friend. Some family members told the journal that they're unhappy about the century-old publishing house, which has always been controlled by Robinson, uh, by the Robinson family uh, falling into the hands of an outsider. They're also upset about Lucice having control over, I think I'm saying her name right, over, control, over, the, over the Robinson's personal possessions, uh, in the journal reported. The disgruntled family members are now reviewing their legal options with the possibility of cutting a deal with Luchase to transfer some scholastic voting shares to family members, <laughs> good luck with that, or to ensure they get greater share of the estate, the journal reported. Maurice Reese Robinson, the late Robinson's youngest son, told the journal that the handling, handing over of scholastic to Luchase was unexpected and shocking. What I want most is an amicable outcome, the 25-year-old said. Robinson's elder son, John Burnham, being Robinson, 34, told the journal that he had never met or spoken with Lucice until the family held a call with her last week to discuss his will. Ben Robinson, who operates a sawmill and workshop that produces lumber, flooring, and furniture from trees in Martha's Vineyard, told the journal that the estate plans uh, served has uh, hold on. 
get it right here. Uh, okay, that the Cedric has sought in the open moon. William Robertson, the deceased Robertson's younger uh, brother, told the journal that the family's priority is to keep Scholastic independent. Our family value was we'd uh, rather not have uh, the financial benefit that we might get from a sale if it means the company won't be in the future what it was. Mm -hmm. Y'all just didn't get control. <laughs> Everybody knows Scholastic has a good feeling about it and does good things for teachers. It's more than just a business for us, okay? Mary Sue Robinson Mormel, one of the Robinson sisters, echoed the message and said she's confident Lucice and her current management share the same views. She told the journal, our first goal is the continuation of the mission and legacy of Scholastic Division and the brilliant life work of both our father and our brother Dick, and we are confident that the new management of the company is fully committed to the goals. Under the wheel and revocable trust, Lucice is now the sole beneficiary of 53.8% of the company's Class A shares, which showed the majority of voting power, the journal reported. She con she's considered the owner of some 3 million Scholastic shares, um, according to the journal. A company spokesman uh, told the journal that the common shares that belong to the late Robinson, worth around $70 million, won't ultimately be owned by Lucice. Details regarding any debt or tax obligations related to the state couldn't be learned, the report said. The will named Lucice has a co-executor and is the state along with Andrew Hidden, Scholastic General Counsel, according to the report. Hmm. She has sole discretion over whether to distribute Robinson's personal possessions, damn, to his sons, according to the will, with the request but not the direction that she hand out items that she believes to be in accordance with my wishes. Damn. You might think from the wheel, uh, from the wheel that he didn't see his sons, the younger Reese Robinson said. That's not true. For the last two years, I saw him multiple times a week. Well, shit, what the hell did you say? <laughs> I mean, you may have saw his ass. But what did you say to make your dad leave his whole estate to his side coochie? Come on now. I mean, uh, his alleged uh, girl ex-girlfriend coochie. I don't know what y'all, y'all call it. I don't know what y'all calling it. Alleged. What did you say? <laughs> Lucy's, on the other hand, has been uh, at Scholastic since 91 when she became associate editor in the book club. Wow. Uh, I mean, you know, listen. <laughs> Damn, that's some cold shit. That's some cold, you know, like, that's some cold, that's your, you know, and, and, and you know, I can understand some families not liking, you know, because sometimes you know you don't raise some fools. Like, you like, I don't raise some fools. I don't, you know, that means you a fool, because if, if you raise some fools, you probably a fool too, right? You probably a fool too, you know, but listen, but, you know, like, sometimes you understand where it's going. You like you know what I'm saying? You like you looking at the two kids you got two, three, two or three kids. And you like damn. it's like Chris Jenner. I always say you know Scorpios. One of the things about us is we're realists. You know, in some points, in some ways, we can be idealists too, but we can be very much realists because we see the world from a, a different perspective sometimes than other people, and we can be real with our own selves, our own personal demons sometimes, as well as others around us, right? And I, this is my personal opinion, is that Chris Jenner knew what she was dealing with with her kids. 
You know, she's like, shit, these some, this is just my personal opinion. That Chris Jenner was like, shit, this is going to be some whole shit. Okay? You know, it's going to be some whole shit. So I got to figure out how to make these hoes make some real money without turning into hoes. <laughs> like, like she saw what her daughter was. Like, she saw that text tape, and she said, shit, this shit's real. This shit's real. Okay, she got this text tape. How am I going to make this benefit for her so they can have a future, so she just, her future won't just be laying on her fucking back? I got to figure out something, okay? And we can be very real. And so she, she sold her daughters from a, and her family from a very powerful sexual standpoint, and she sold her family. Very smart. I don't, you know. Chris is a major, what I would say, sex broker. <laughs> my opinion. That's my opinion, okay? A legend. We go around here. But she saw the real. This man might have seen the real, too. I mean, oh, we all going, damn, you could have left your kids a million. You could have at least left them in charge of your state. They shit. Like, she own everything. Like, <laughs> like she got to go to them and be like, you going to give us, we got to make deals for our personal possession. Damn. So that's why, you know, sometimes you know what you're dealing with. It's sad that the kids, you know, he said it was shocking. I bet it wasn't. I, I, you know, if, you know, sometimes now they, these kids got to go back and examine every conversation they didn't have with their father, every conversation, every situation, everything and why he would play them like this. Like, why play the kids and give it to the and, – and you know what? Maybe the woman's really good. Maybe she she, she might have been a jump a legend jump off, but she might be a really good woman. You know what I'm saying? Maybe she's like, hey, you know, maybe he saw wisdom in her that he didn't have or his children wouldn't have. And he didn't give his – and he expects her us her to do the right thing. Um, You know. It's still cold. So here's the lesson in this, <laughs> if we can find one, okay? For you side checks out there, your coochie can be so good, it can put you up $1.2 billion, but this seldom happens. <laughs> so, you know, don't play yourself. <clears throat> For you kids out there, wealthy kids who think that your fathers or your parents are going to leave their legacy of finances to you, you better think that shit again. And parents and stuff like that, if you if you divorce women or something like that, please be making sure, talking, making sure there is some things in place for your children with their name on it, properties or something. Don't just be get everything in your daddy's name and stuff like that. Try to own shit from the estate or try to, you know, because, and try to know what you're dealing with. You know, don't be in denial about who the fuck your parents are. <laughs> okay, this is horrible. I can't imagine them sitting in the uh, thing thinking they all about to get paid. And they like, um, the lawyer's like, well, he's left everything to his partner. And he told you kids to fuck off. <laughs> Or the girlfriend, but 
more often than not, I think that some people have to be real about their children. A lot of people leave money for foods. You know, I had I had uh, we had a family friend who they left their money. They left they they had a beautiful home. They had money. They had, you know, real, they real do, but their son was a fucking drug addict because he was so spoiled. He was over the top, and he, he just, I mean, didn't, just was a fucking crazy nut for his whole life. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and when they, they died weeks apart, right, and they left their whole estate and everything to their son, and I'm like, he a fool. You know, when there were so many people around them that it helped them. And I thought, why would you leave? You know, they should have put it, left the, the wheel, they should have let a, left a wheel in place where they had a lawyer or maybe a family friend be the executor or something, but make maybe put something aside to the, for the son and with, with stipulations of him getting cleaned up and getting himself together, and then he would get this or he would get that. But to leave a kid, a drug addict, all that shit was just fucking dumb. I mean, just my personal opinion. And I heard it, 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 he didn't have it. Like, he lost all the money within a couple of years. I mean, what the fuck? Sometimes you can't leave money to food. You know you got kids with food, and you got some of you parents out there got to be honest with yourself. Like this man might have been. I don't know if that was the reason he didn't leave. Maybe his kids are great kids. They might not be no fools. But it sounds like something was going on there. But if you got kids that are fools, don't leave your whole estate to no fools so they can just squander it when you when you go. If you got a niece or a nephew or a family friend or somebody you can trust with your estate and you can say, you know what, them two, these fools, they don't do nothing but drugs and drink and party, and, and and they don't pay no attention to the business. They don't pay no attention to the inheritance. We, we, we talking about inheritance today. Oh, 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 wait, wait a minute. This goes with the, this goes with the it's a word, right? <laughs> Man, this goes with the it's a word. Okay. Listen, I mean, if you know that you your kids are just squander, are going to squander their inheritance, they're not going to do anything with it, or you do want to leave them something, just – you know, think about putting someone in charge of it, putting stipulations to it, or else give it to someone who is worthy, who takes care of you, who's caring, who's who who sow your seed in good ground. Don't give it to no fool, okay? Because you be a, you 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 won't do nothing. You won't help them. You'll just help a fool become more foolish, okay? So you know. I don't know what this man's reasons for leaving it all to his side coochie. I mean, alleged side coochie, <laughs> alleged girlfriend or whatever it is. But dang it, he—I believe he knew something, right? You know, because people like that just—I maybe he was just so good to him. He's like, you know, y'all don't get nothing. Like he was just a sunshine day. <laughs> okay, but what it sounds like to me, what it sounds like in listening to the story, this was a woman who had worked at his company almost 30 years, okay, put in the work. She's one of the chief officers. She put in a lot of work. <laughs> Child, I ain't, ain't saying nothing about it. But listen, whatever she was, it seemed like she was in the business and his sons, it doesn't sound like was. I don't know. That makes a difference. 
if you don't want to know the business and you just want to run your ass around out here while he's up here working hard and everything like that. See, you got to understand what what your parents who have all the money or your person who you with, what they value. And you got to value that shit, too. Those people can't trust you. But they shit when they gone with your, they shit. They don't want to give, they, they shit there and work real hard to, to a bunch of losers. I'm not saying that's what his kids was, but it was obviously something there that he would leave it all to the side, the, the, I mean, the other woman. So that's just crazy. Very wild story, okay? Which brings me to this next wild story. Where is Kelly's ass? Kelly Price, where are you at? This, this, this right here, first of all, Kelly Price should be out. I bet Monday Kelly Price, if they ain't, we ain't seen Kelly Price live, Kelly Price needs to be all over uh, the television, okay? Because Kelly Price, is, and she's not a gospel singer. Kelly Price sings gospel, but Kelly Price is an R&B singer, <laughs> mostly. I don't know why TMZ, I think she was making her, she hadn't made a gospel album in years, and she was making another one, or she was getting ready to make one or something like that. But Kelly Price is mostly known for R&B. She's an R&B writer and stuff like that. Why y'all keep calling her just a gospel singer, okay? I don't know what's going on with TMZ. But anyway, Kelly uh, uh, allegedly back in July got COVID. You know how Kelly likes some IG lives. I remember she got on co- uh, on on IG. You know, she cussed out the promoter on IG live. I mean, we done seen Kelly do <laughs> Kelly something else, right? But the thing is, she came on let people know she was sick or whatever. Well, apparently the rumors is that she got even more sick and she was in the ICU. Okay, and then allegedly she got discharged or checked herself out in some sort of way, even while she was sick. Her family gets a call, her kids allegedly, and they say, hey, you know, your mom done checked herself out. And they like, what? Because they thought she was really sick, and they ain't heard from her since. Okay? So let me read this story on TMZ. This up here, okay? Uh, This is according to TMZ.com. This is an update from 103 p.m. It says, it looks likely uh, looks likely Kelly Price is finally speaking for herself on her mysterious situation, and she seems to be putting to bed theories that she's unaccounted for. How about in someone else's words? Price, uh, Price posted an update on her Instagram story Saturday, which appears directly to speak to whether she's missing or not. Based on what she has up there, it sounds like she's doing all right but still battling COVID, okay? Now, they put this post up from another person, and let me see who this person is. Uh, hold on, let me go to Kelly Price's uh, Instagram here. Let's see if I can put it up here. So they've been they put up she this lady Miss Sarah Mornell and she said just spoke to Miss at Miss Kelly Price. She is recovering with her supportive partner. She sounds strong. I hope this fabrication can stop and she is able to heal. Okay, well and then Kelly Price on her Instagram story reposted this story. But her family has not seen her. Allegedly, her kids haven't seen her. Her sister called into a show last night, the Larry Reed show, and was trying to see. She has not seen her sister in over a month. 
Okay, and now you got Kelly Price, allegedly, posting a story, reposting somebody else's words that they talked to her. Now, girl, I don't know who you talked to. You, I mean, you could have been talking to Juju Bear. I don't know if you – they could have told you was talking to Kelly. I don't know. But why wouldn't Kelly Price just get on her fucking cell if she's that cognizant? She knows people. She's on a national missing persons list, allegedly, in these streets. Why the fuck you wouldn't get on your Instagram live and say, hey, y'all, I just want y'all to know I'm safe, I'm okay, or at least call the police department and shit and say, hey, y'all can y'all send an officer over here? I want to make sure that y'all know I'm okay out in these streets, okay? It's starting to sound strange to me, okay? It says, uh, uh, it says, uh, it's a repost from another person's IG story who writes, just spoke to Miss Kelly Price. Okay, I already read that. The fact that Kelly's weighing in now might just be the nail in the coffin here. She's essentially saying, I'm here, has whether she's speaking to her family or not. That's another story. No, the police need to go see her. Because, see, I don't know if you talk to Kelly. See, I watch the ID channel too many fucking times. Let me tell you about the ID channel, okay? I saw a whole ID channel. I saw a show one night on the ID channel. No, that, I mean, let's pray. We, we, I'm not saying Kelly Price is nothing wrong with Kelly Price because we hope we're praying for the best. But I saw a show on the ID channel where this man he went missing. Okay, had a house. He had some roommates and stuff like that. Come to find out, the damn roommates had killed him, right? But they was texting the family and shit. They they dumbasses texting saying he I'm on a trip. Even one of the people had a man call one of the members who don't really know his voice and talk to them real quick. And, you know, I'm okay and everything. And they thinking they talked to a person, but it wasn't him at fucking all. He was dead. And it took them almost five years to find out his ass was gone. I'm not saying this is the case with Kelly Price. I'm just saying she needs to, they, if, and if I'm her, if I'm her, her significant other, which they're saying now it's a, being a marriage for a certificate produced just something from tw- November 1st, 2020. So Kelly Price is allegedly married to this guy, allegedly. And that was on the Larry Reed show, I think, today. Listen, I don't know if she's trying to drum up some fucking publicity. This is the wrong fucking way to do it if you are, okay? But if she is really something wrong with her, you need to get with your family. You need to call people. You need, and he will. He's a dumbass if he don't call the police over there and say, "Hey, she is not missing. Here she is, right in this room over here, laying down, trying to bath." And let the police see and say, "Okay, well, we we seen her. She's okay. She's not. You know, she's safe." And go and tell her family. What kind of fool would just keep that out there? Keep her away from her family. That shit don't sound right. And I hope this is no publicity game because it ain't cute. But it says, it says, uh, uh, she's not missing in his estate, at least according to her attorney. I, I don't know her attorney. Monica Ewing, Kelly's rep, tells TMZ the singer is continued to recover from COVID at an undisclosed location. We're told Kay, Kelly's legal rep reached out to Cobb County Police to notify law enforcement that Kelly's accounted for, even though she's now listed as a missing, has missing with the National Crime Information Center. No, they need to see her, okay? I'm a person that believes a cop or somebody, there need to be police officers to go over there with a picture of her because she's a famous person and say, is that Kelly? Okay, that's Kelly Price. I'm, now, either something's going on, maybe she's thicker than what she really, they really saying, they don't want nobody to know or whatever, 
but this shit is weird, okay? And especially when you start to keep her children away from her and her her sister, that shit does not sound right, okay? It says, uh, and it might be a play. You know, when I hear shit like that, sometimes it'd be a play for the estate. Hey, because she do got some money and she done wrote some some, some hits. Okay, she got a catalog. Uh, uh, and, 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 you know, greedy MS, I'm not saying that's what's going on, but greedy mofos will make a play for the estate. Okay. Let's say we'll with rich people. That's why you got to be careful. When you got money, it ain't all easy. You better make care, be careful who the fuck you surround yourself with because you can be surrounding yourself with somebody just waiting for you to be on your deathbed. And they be having you sign all kind of shit. Power of attorney, marriage certificate. Don't play no games. Know what the hell is going on out in these streets, okay? And see, you know, her, when somebody starts stealing off the family and shit like that, ah, oh, it can get ugly, okay? I'm not saying that's what he's doing. He could be a great husband. It could be all wrong. But it's not looking good right now when you don't let contact her family and say, hey, let me let y'all talk to her because I don't want y'all to think I did nothing to her. Sounds like something's off, okay? Um. Uh, it says, uh, Georgia officials say Kelly has been listed as a missing person following last week last weekend's welfare check conducted at her home. Before going missing, Kelly revealed in July she had COVID and was battling symptoms, and her family said she was eventually admitted to a hospital and it ended up in the ICU. Kelly's family told us her kids recently got a call that she was discharged, which surprised them because she was apparently not fully out of the woods. The family says Kelly has gone radio silent, and they told police her boyfriend is allegedly keeping her children from visiting her home, and it led to the uh, to the fam to have cops conduct a welfare check, okay? We asked Union to clarify why Price has seemingly been ignoring her family and what her current status was with her fiancé. Ewan reiterated Kelly is safe and recovering from COVID and is trying to get well and will further address the story later. Um, that shit don't sound right. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know what the hell y'all doing. It, I hope she's okay. That's all I got to say. Till I see, because Kelly Price is a very visible. If she wasn't very visible, she's always, she. I mean, she, she just came on, she was just on IG in July time with a mask on talking about she had COVID. She was telling people she had COVID. She was in about a couple weeks before that, she was cussing out a promoter. I mean, Kelly brings her problems to IG Live. One thing for damn sure, Kelly Frank don't show her ass up on IG Live. So her retweeting uh, 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 somebody else saying they talked to her, mm, and she can talk and it's fully well, child, I don't know if I believe that. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-mm. Until Kelly shows up. No, she can't. can't be no voice. Till Kelly shows up somewhere, or the police have verified they've seen her, or her kids have verified her they've seen her, my ass still say Kelly Price is missing out in these streets, and the police need to be conducting investigations. And uh, by Monday, if Kelly Price has not visually shown up for anyone besides her husband or her boyfriend or whatever the hell it is going on, then she need to be on every news channel. This is an interesting story, too. Everybody should be talking about it, putting pressure on his ass to disclose what's going on with Kelly Price because the shit sounds strange to me. Listen here. 
women, you gotta be careful when you got some money. Who you? Nah, let me. I, I ain't gonna go there yet. I'm not gonna because he could be a good man. I'm gonna just wait, and we are gonna wait it out, and then we will have these. And you know, it's very important because we've had a lot of women right now, including me. I had a relative earlier during the year who got killed. Her and her two children by somebody who's supposed to love her. Okay. So listen, domestic violence and shit is real out here. I'm not saying that's what he is. I'm not saying that it, she could be very well okay. He could be a great man, but shit, the shit sounds strange. And this and this better not be no publicity game because you done played. It's a, it, 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 it's almost like. You should be popping up like you're trying to ride on the publicity, okay? I don't. I hope not. If she's okay, if you okay, you need to clear this up as soon as possible. It shouldn't be no mystery surrounding around there. Like, well, let's find Kelly Price. No, if she's okay and she's up and she's breathing and she's talking to people and shit, then she needs to be calling TMZ and she needs to be calling and she needs to let somebody see her. Visibly see her to prove she's okay. Okay. But other than that, uh-uh. sounds like some bullshit. I'm smelling bullshit. Okay. Don't sound right to me. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying what I say. What I'm saying. I don't know what is going on with Kelly Price's disappearance. I, you know. Okay. We done had a whole. So we better have a whole week. We had a whole week of Kelly. What's this girl? I don't even know who this girl is that was on the news for the last two weeks. Kelly Price's story by Monday. If we have not seen Kelly Price, we need to have full. Everybody need to be talking about Kelly Price because Kelly Price is famous. Okay. <laughs> oh God, what in the world is going on out here? Okay. Oh Lord. Okay. So, What are we at? Talk. We're we gonna talk about Charlemagne's show. No, we're not gonna talk about Charlemagne yet because it's a, such a horrible show. But we will get to it. But let's talk about the Haitian migrants on the border. Haitian Haitian people. And you know, listen, Haiti, oh, the first Black Republic. Haiti's made a number of missteps over the years. Especially paying reparations to the French was just a dumb move after you had kicked their ass. But also the United States has not made it very easy for Haiti either. Uh, but we can't, here's the thing. We can't afford nobody else. We can't, we can't take in no one. America's infrastructure cannot handle any more. Matter of fact, I wish they would have done the same thing with the Latinos at the border. Everybody sent them back. It's it's so funny how quickly they sent the Haitians back. But we've seen this shit before. Remember when they used to send the Haitians back under Clinton in boats? Like the boats they came in, they would send them back. Oh, that was terrible. At least, <laughs> at least they had the decency to get them a plane fight back this time, okay? But here is, you know, seeing all these things, at the border this time has, you know, as a black American person, I am just, I feel two ways because I have an affinity for Haiti because I, I, I do believe the Haitian Revolution was one of the most powerful uh, moves against white supremacy. But at the same time, uh, I I 
think that what happens to a lot of black immigrants when they tend to come over into into, into America, um, instead of kind of getting, you know, they get in with black Americans just to sometimes, not all of you, not all of you, but some of you, will get in with black America just to kind of find a way to financially capitalize off of what it means to be black in America and black Americans sometimes low self-esteem. And what you'll have is then them getting separate enclaves and then begin to talk shit about black America worse than white supremacists. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> black America is the reason you're here. You know what I'm saying? And, and to our, and, and for us, Immigration, illegal immigration, has not been our friend. We have to, most of black America will have to compete with these people, and it will lower wages and lifestyles for everyone. So it's just, for me, a rethinking of it. And like I said to myself, you know, a person who used to be so much for Pan-Africanism, I have Pan-Africanism romanticism has died a slow death with me over the years because I realized there's not there's not such not too much of a thing of Pan-Africanism outside of the United States. I mean, you know, it's something Black Americans made up to romanticize to hope that we could connect to all other Africans in the world. And, it, and in some ways it did work. There are some people in other countries who have, you know, part of the diaspora who have uh, gotten together, and there's some people in Africa and everything. But for the most part, it's been a, just us. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like we have, we have spent our, our political energy trying to fight for people who are not interested in really being a part of us. Sometimes don't even like us. <laughs> Sometimes come over and say, oh, we're more hardworking than African Americans. We're blah, 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 this. We don't want our kids. I mean, you see here all kind of crazy things. Okay, and so, and I remember I was just listening to Black Authority, Jason Black, this week, and he had a very good show on about it. And nothing but people first generation haitians jamaicans uh and different different people from the diaspora were calling in saying you're right because he was talking about how you know a lot of times they don't like black americans and they were talking about how their parents would tell them say certain things or try to make them separate from black americans and so i'm like why should black america help you again it isn't that we don't care but why you have a whole like you have a whole fucking nation over there like like, you know, it, we fought for civil rights and all kinds of things over here on, on this continent, which I totally agree with Jason saying this week. Now maybe you need to go back over there and fight politically for your country. Yes, we feel horrible about what's going on, but we're spent. I don't know if this is a – if illegal immigration – is an African American uh, thing a thing that African Americans should be going to bat for? No matter who it is, it is really a problem for us. So I, I'm, I'm mixed. I'm feeling mixed. I'm, I, I've always been against illegal immigration, no matter who it is. First of all, but I am kind of mixed about how I feel 
about what I what you saw this week on the board. And then there's something going on too. So they didn't come from Haiti. They came from uh, other countries. They one uh, one migrant, which I'm gonna read about a little uh, in a minute, said they went through 11 countries before reaching America. Crazy, right? So um, it is a very interesting political climate going on over there. And even with the president, you know, like uh, the president who got murdered a few months ago, um, you know, I even I saw a document, just a, a recent, uh, wasn't a documentary, but a kind of a news report on how they felt they were work they think that they were hired by uh, the assassins were hired from uh, some sort of uh, groups and flo- by f- groups of allegedly allegedly groups of Haitian bourgeoisie <laughs> are the elites who live not even on Haiti shore live in like places like Florida and stuff like that hired this, these people from these firms out of Florida and everything, private contractors, to go over there and do what they do, what happened to the Haitian president recently, which is a very interesting dynamic because Haiti has had this thing where there has been a few elites that have ran it, ran it. It's just so much stuff there, okay? It's not just white supremacists fucking it over. It's also some, uh, some people who are betraying it, right? So... Um, some of its own people. So it is a very interesting thing. But here, here's this article from BB, the BBC, and it says, even in late summer, few migrants attempt to cross into the United States from Mexican border, town of uh, Mexicali. The temperatures are brutal, consistently in the mid-40C, and beyond neighboring U.S. towns of Claxico lie many uh, miles of inhospitable desert, okay? Attempting the journey in the searing heat would be madness. Yet the migrants gathered in Haitian in a Haitian restaurant a few blocks from the border wall have already been through worse, especially uh, Fitterson Janavier and his family. Have they finished a Creole-style meal of chicken, rice, and beans and uh, plantains, is that how you say it? There is both exhaustion and disbelief in their eyes. Exhaustion at their journey from South America, okay, that's where a lot of them have been coming from, uh, over the past few months, and um, disbelief of the things they witnessed and experienced along the way. I left my country on the 26th of August, 2014. That's a long time ago. How is he just now making it to? Well, how did he just now go to the American border? So these are people who have ran from Haiti per se recently. These are people coming from other countries who've been living in other places. So it's interesting. Explains Janavier, his three-year-old son absentmindedly playing with a toy on the restaurant floor. Having spent several years in Brazil, okay, he moved to Chile, met his wife, and they had a child. But as they could not moved beyond the lowest social rung in South America, they decided the time was right in an attempt to reach the U.S. We've been through 11 different countries to get here. Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador, Mr. Javanir begins to name them in order, describing an extraordinary journey on foot and by bus. Listen, 
I, I mean, it says, has he took his young family across the Darien Gap seven days through the dense jungle between Colombia and Panama? Mr. Javanier says he saw the dead bodies of other Haitians and Cuban migrants. He describes being robbed of what little they had by bandits, most likely members of violent drug and people smuggling gangs, which operate in the region. He says some of the women were raped, although his wife managed to hide with the child when the gang appeared. I mean, you know, this is terrible situations they have to go through. And you see, when there is, listen, I do feel sorry, but at the same time, I don't know what made people, and this is Joe Biden's mess, because Joe Biden has made it sound like America has an open fucking borders policy, and America does not have an open borders policy. It is a complete mess. It's a complete sham. I mean, it's been, it's completely in shambles. And, you know, when you think about it, I mean, this is, for Haiti, Haiti has had such problems, especially even when even when you think about uh, uh, America's involvement, especially the Clintons in Haiti. Uh, you see that it has just been one disaster after another. And it's sad that these people can't go back to their home and work out their own stuff. So, there is a lot of mixed feelings I have about this, and like, in, and I've been, you know, putting different uh, things up, different people's opinions this week. Who I, a lot of people who I listen to, who I kind of admire their uh, their thought. I haven't agreed with everybody and everything they say, but I put up uh, different people's thoughts on this on the Carlisle uh, Chatwood Facebook page. You guys can go check them out. Uh, what they thought about the Haitian migrant migrant issue, but one thing you're seeing constantly across the board among some of black American new thought is that immigration, pan-Africanism seems to be a dying thing, and you find a lot of black people now looking at illegal immigration and immigration period, even from the diaspora, not looking favorably at it anymore. <laughs> and it is very interesting to see the turn of events that is happening in black America. So very interesting there. And so we'll continue to talk about this over, you know, over the weeks, but it's just been so many interesting uh, things go on um, with this situation. But I'm going to take, I think this is, let me see, is this Pianchi on the phone? Let me look at this. Oh, it's okay. I think this is him. Piaki, is this you? Hey. Yeah, this is me. How you doing? Hey, how lady? are you? How I'm you doing? doing? <laughs> how how I'm do you feel fine. about the? I can't wait to hear how you feel about the Haitian <laughs> migrant issue that we've been seeing on the border. Well, you know, here's the thing. It seems like everybody wants to come to the United States. Yeah. United States pays tens, hundreds of millions of dollars to those countries in in South America. Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, three, Brazil, Bolivia. And those countries would not keep them. But everybody yeah. wants to demonize the United States. That's what kicks me. Well, and also, you know, what about we what about brain drain? 
what about, about the brain drain? Brain drain. Mm. Those men in those pictures are strong. Should they not be at the, back home helping to clean up? I get You know, they, <laughs> we had a hurricane. We had a hurricane here in Louisiana. It struck. Well, everybody yeah. didn't leave and run to Chicago. They stayed yeah. and cleaned up. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, in the pictures that you've seen with those guys with them bags of food in your in their uh, hands and fruit, you cannot bring food and fruit into this country. You cannot bring agriculture products Foods into the country You know people try that through the airport I remember the time Africans When they used to go places They used to carry their food with them It'd be cooked And some of the bags have stockfish in it And stockfish smells terrible But The customs were confiscated I've had stuff confiscated I was coming from Ghana With some avocados And their avocados would get as big as grapefruits And the customs agents took them in New York because they are agriculture products, they could have pests that mm. will cause havoc to American agriculture industry, causing you, the consumer, to have to pay more if not be able to get the products themselves. Very interesting, yes. And that's why come Trump's wall is so important. You know why? Because it forces people to go through entry points. Where dogs can sniff and products that they got can be checked. You know, when you come through New York coming from another country, you got to fill out a declaration on the plane before it lasts. And that wow. declaration tells where you are coming from. It mm-hmm. asks, were you around any livestock? Were you around any vegetation? Any product? If you got even a, a guitar, they want to know where did the wood come from because if it's like Brazilian rosewood, it can't come in. If it's weed baskets, it can't come in. They don't allow it. And if your declaration, and they happen to go through your luggage and find something that you didn't have on your declaration, you get fined. And if they check you and you, if you say you've been around vegetation, and animals in particular, they take you to a room and they check your shoes. They check your – if your clothes showing of something that would be harmful to American cattle, they make you take them clothes off and you laundry them right there. Shampoo your hair. Clean your nails. Sanitize. Fumigate your shoes. And that's what they're supposed to do in order to yeah. protect – American industries. Do you think it's that we don't understand? And, you know, has a, especially because I know we're seeing, I'm seeing more, you know, where black America used to fight for immigrants and stuff like that. Now I'm seeing more and more black Americans go, you know, no, we can't do it. <laughs> you know, you know, we're seeing a change, a turn. Are you surprised by that? Are you surprised? Because, you know, it's a more conservative viewpoint from black America. They're starting to to become more wiser. And see, blacks is is some of the the ratchets. Not all. Not all. Mm -hmm. But you got some that is most of the ratchets people I ever heard. Let me tell you something. 
you know Rosa Parks, right? Rosa yes. Parks, when she was down south after she was in court and so forth, she had to leave the south when she came up north. She came to Detroit, right? And she stayed in the house up there in Detroit. Well, of recent, that house is not just recent, but a few years ago or so. That house came upon condemnation in Detroit, where it was going to be tore down, fired for back taxes. And her daughter couldn't have come up with $500. Well, that's sad. So it was a white male that came up with the money and bought the house. He took you know, the house. But here, I will say this. I don't feel like that about I feel like we, black America, is not rat. I don't see it, see it as most of us. There are some people. But I see black America as some of the most beautiful, overly generous people. I think black America sometimes is, over, is not very discerning about how we see, you know, people or see situations uh, some of even some of our institutions that have been built up, that have been built by even some liberal well, white conservative Yeah, so I think but you that got some that talk all the time and bitch. Why come they didn't come up with five hundred dollars to save Rosa Parks' house? This man disassembled you know and, and took it back to Germany. Thing. I would, I would five hundred dollars. You know, and sometimes, here's the thing, I don't think sometimes we know enough. Like, we're out there, like, we don't, we just don't know. You know, sometimes our people are so busy working or so busy, they like, I know Rosa Parks' house needs 500. Why can they report on those things? I I agree. Well, you got, well, we have a leadership He put $13,000 and shipped it back to Germany. And they put it back to, they reassembled and they used it as a museum. Now it's in Naples, Italy, being used as a Attraction. We got so many. Mm-hmm. You, well, what I think what's happened is because over the years, Black America has become. Um, I mean, it's become more. You've had a lot of not people speaking out for Black American thought and Black America, but more democratic uh, operatives. We we've had people oh, who are more. Goodness. So so now you get. Well, let me ask you a question. Our news is more democratic. You know what I'm saying? It's more from a democratic. Why do they show up to take down a Robert E. Lee statue and a Stonewall Jackson statue? Hmm? Why didn't they come up with five hundred dollars to bail out Sandra Bland from jail? But do you see five hundred taking down those statues? It don't be us a lot of times. It it be it be white liberals out there taking down those statues. They be instigating. I, well, no, I think that's not. I think there are a lot of there are people, black people who belong to Demo, the Democratic enclave, the Democratic operative group. Because I personally don't think I. Re, this is my personal opinion about. Yes, some of those people were racist, but I don't like the eraser eraser of any country's history. I want people to see exactly who we honored and who we thought were special. You know, even now they were they were who people thought who what America thought what America thought was special. Because to me, if you start erasing everybody who did something racist or something like that, you begin to erase the past. I don't believe that people should take down statues. I think they should leave them right exactly where they are. And it speaks to the American psyche of any time and place and point, you know. So I don't believe they should take them down. They well, show some times, statues. They even show the Statue of Liberty. Liberty, where we had black women 
climbing up on one black woman climbed up on a statue, I think it was down in Charleston, put a rope around it so they could pull it over. Okay, but she was she was an immigrant. She was a black American. No offense, she wasn't a, a real That was a, that was in New York, but the other one was yeah, not. She was, she was a, a black uh, American. I, was uh, she wasn't black American. She was like uh, she was Haitian actually. <laughs> so yeah, she wasn't black. <laughs> she was actually, but the Statue of Liberty was actually I don't know why any black person would go and attack the Statue of Liberty. It was actually a gift because of slavery. So uh, the, about the freedom. And of if the uh, lady, yes. what the what is the woman in Haitian doing tearing down the the statue? If you said she was Haitian, why come she don't go down in Miami? and tear down the statue of the Haitian soldiers that fought with George Washington. It's about well, four or five the, of them. Down I there. think what we're having a problem in black America, and I think this is one of the things we're having because we're we're seeing a lot of, and it doesn't mean that black Americans don't have their own problems and stuff like that, but we're, we're now seeing, uh, that's why a lot of black Americans are starting to carve out their own thing, like with ADOS, American Descendants of Slaves, Foundational Black America, and stuff like that, because what we're starting to see in the press now are people who are of a different background, and some people say it's xenophobia, but I don't say it's xenophobia. We're just seeing people who are maybe first-generation black Latino or first-generation Haitian or something like that who begin to speak for black American thought. And we're like, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. Are you – well, they need to better define themselves. But all people don't yeah. go with that. See, Haitians don't Haitians don't give a damn about black Americans. They don't describe right. themselves as black. Their English, English, their language is French. Same thing with other Ar- Africans too. They don't dis- describe themselves as black. They describe themselves as what they are, either nationality or language group. And they don't give much of a damn about black Americans. When immigrants come here, they don't move in the hood. They move out of places I wouldn't want to live in. I mean, that's the but truth. That, that's, but we—that's kind of our fault because we haven't defined. We haven't defined ourselves. So now we have a lot of people who are in the press and like they'll say, "Oh, this is the first. Uh, the, this is the first black woman." Like Essence Magazine right now. Essence Magazine at one time was owned by two black American males. Now it is owned by a, a guy from Liberia. Uh, so. <laughs> And so, and the person who is now in charge of the magazine is, I think she's the CEO, is Kenyon. Is that so the guy that like, owned the beauty products? Yes. They don't? So, and so the thing name. was, the seller has black owned again because, you know, black people were thinking, oh, you know, it's black American. No, it's not. It's like, it's, it's, it, it's, which, they, it's they have a very Right. <laughs> right. So I think black. that we're starting coming to we're starting to come to a realization like, whoa, wait a minute, we are different, and maybe we need I to remember, start carving out differences. I used to remember hearing black uh, lecturers want to claim, yeah, if blacks was to count all the uh, the numbers around the world, we would be such and such. Then they mentioned India. Indians <sighs> are not black. Right. They are not. Right. Which our mistake with Kamala Harris? Because we we thought, I think most black people, which Kamala Harris's father tried to explain. I don't know if you remember Kamala Harris's father saying, "Hey, she she is not a descendant of slaves. She doesn't, you know, because she sold herself off of graduating from Howard, you know, being 
black mm-hmm. American, black people fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. But Kamala a lot of them is descendants of slaves. Rihanna, she's right. not. She's, she's from Barbados. That uh, <laughs> the tennis player, she's not. She's Japanese. That's called the skin Right. So, uh, so it's amazing. Derek Jeter we... is not black, although his father is black, and his skin yeah. is white. Right. <laughs> I get. I, I get. What, so we. I think that now black people are starting to finally say, "Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, what's happening here?" I think we. 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 I don't know. I think that we. That in the Haitian, what the way I've seen Black America respond to, it wasn't the same way when Clinton. You remember the Clinton years? People were so angry when the Haitians, you know, got sent back on the boat. But I'm not seeing that same anger this time well, in Black America. Have, the way they came across, they should have. The only thing they, there was some agreement with wet foot driver. But here's another thing: like this general, uh-huh. Surgeon General of Florida, that DeSantis just appointed. Yeah. Uh, Joe Ladepo, yes, who yes, came yes. here when he was five, he was born in Nigeria. Yes. He's got Nigerian. impeccable credentials, better than Fauci, which you don't take much. And Santos <laughs> oh, <yeah>. had him, <laughs> Santos had him at a, at a news, at a news uh, conference. And he talked about that he was against man, vaccine mandates. And well, he made yeah. a statement about mass, which made sense, you know. He, he, but I said to them, I said, why are they going to attack him? But oh, they're going to have to be cautious with it because he's got black skin. Well, lo and behold, here come Atlantic Black Star saying that Asantis is trying to use him, appoints him, he's against vaccination. Well, the man never wow. said he was against vaccination, but that's the way they printed it up. So why? Okay, okay. I'm, hold your time I'm having my beep thing is going off, so it's telling me I have to go on break for a minute. So when I go, I, hold on right there. Hold your thought on that. I'm going to take a break real quick, a, a quick break, and then I'm going to uh, come back and we'll pick up okay. with the conversation. I want you to stay and talk with me about that. Oh, okay. So hold. You guys, we going on break real quick, uh, and I'll be back in just a moment, okay? It's the CC Show. And we're going to, oh, here we're going to play, what is it? Oh, it's Kim, Lie to Me coming up. All right, I'll be back in a moment.
We are talking, I'm talking to Bianchi, and we have a real interesting discussion. We're talking about DeSantis' new, uh, what is his, his, uh, what's his name? His name is Joe Ladapo, L-A-D-A-P-O. Yeah, I saw the uh, thing, This I saw his, um, the press conference uh, a few days ago with him. And I, yeah, I knew he was going to have trouble no matter what. But the Atlantic Black Star, you have to understand, that's a kind of a we're, – we're starting to have a lot of these outlets are becoming more Democratic operatives, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> but go ahead. Go, go ahead. What you were saying Right, they it. are, and that Los Angeles yeah. Times is terrible now. It's really oh, terrible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's gotten really bad. And that's yeah, a shame because these new people don't have the ability – to research themselves on issues, and yeah. when you come, when you compound that with the education educational system, educational background that they have ex- been exposed to, and now you got a complicated mess. Look right. at them right. fools in Arizona University that jumped I on, that. attacked those two white males. I haven't heard anything and about that yet. Oh, yeah. Arizona State University, you had three black girls. It was in the cultural center. And some white males, two two or three of them came in there to sit down and do their work. And they're going to tell them they don't have no damn business being in there. This was built by people of color. And you make me feel uncomfortable. You threatening me. Wow. And a whole bunch of more bull crap. Well, I have not heard the story. I'm going to have to look the story up. But, you know, a lot of times, I mean, when you see that kind of thing, and, I, and I'm seeing and noticing little things more and more, that is not traditional uh, black America's behavior. And, and a lot of times what you are finding is more of them, or more people are becoming Democratic operatives because that's the way you get jobs. That's the way, you know, it, it's, 
it's hard. I'm not a Candace Owens fan whatsoever. I mean, I, I, love, I have some conservative style, but, that, I mean, you know, I can be in between, too. You know that. Me and you have gotten had our little things. But but uh, I actually do – I do – I don't think that she doesn't have points sometimes. I don't think that where people, sometimes people have to listen to points that are not their own or points that you do not agree with. Or, you know, it's, it's, that's how we learn from each other. So I think that uh, what we're having now, uh, and the Democrats are kind of being the, uh, the, the leaders for this new world of either you think my way or no way at all. And it's it's getting a little frightening. The left has become way more frightening than, than normal. So uh, when I see that kind of thing like that, here's something like that happening, I almost feel like there's this uh, leftist, it's probably such a huge leftist agenda on campus. Um, and sometimes, a lot of times, black people are not just involved in the whole idea of, of of the agenda, you know, and we claim it's about blackness, but a lot of times it's just about um, democratic and leftist thought. I don't think it has anything to do with color. Somebody. <laughs> well, the worst thing about yeah. it is how the news media portrays it or covers it. They don't cover it at all. Or if it's just a quick sniping, well, like it, just well, before they go on, just before they go on break, they say, mention it three seconds and it's gone. That's all they do. That's what it's well, shame is. When you, no, got these... you know, there's no money in that. <laughs> I mean, you have to deal with the salation. The press is the the press is gone. I I I laughed and used to say I said CNN used to be the most uh, used to be the in between of all of the uh, all of the the news outlets. Now it's become the worst. It's literally I said it's it. I said, you know, it's different when Fox is actually literally for people now the best news channel. Fox is literally the best news channel. <laughs> so I said, yeah. And I, even though I could, I, I disagree sometimes with Tucker Carlson, but for the most part, Tucker for the last year has been on his. He's been really on it. So I, so I tell people, you know, there are sometimes you have to listen to people even if you don't agree with them. Like I haven't been listening to MSNBC in years, but. Now I feel like CNN, MSNBC, all of them have gone, and I don't know what's going on, especially with CNN. I'm actually shocked by CNN, but uh, but oh, CNN has been terrible a, for a long time. It's been a couple of years. It's been about two or three years. It's 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 went through the way of it's went far, and I don't know. I can't say when it actually happened for them. I, I mean, I I started noticing it like we're maybe around. Well, Three years it happened ago. around the thing with Ukraine the first time we, when they overdrew yeah. Yanukovych, and that was during Obama. And see, CNN, when they removed your ability to make comments about the story down at the bottom, then we knew something was going on. And on that one story, you had Russians, look like Russian citizens or Russian nationalists that was making some real good comments. Because it's right in their backyard, who would know better than them? Yeah, it's it's just, it's amazing to see what the media has become. It's it's I'm I mean, actually like wow, this is actually a little scary. I mean, because even if I don't agree with all sometimes of conservative thought, people it's imbalanced when you don't have 
when you don't have a, a conservative thought on your channel, it's imbalanced. Like I used to say, same thing about Fox. Fox used to be far it out. Be balanced. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, Fox has done a good job over the years. They started to become more and more balanced. And I think the brothers, the two, the, the sons, took it over, and they wanted it to be a little bit more balanced. But they they've done a good job with having different thoughts other than their own on there. But the way I'm seeing the let's go, I'm a little nervous about. Especially when I saw the left turn against Julie, people like WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, that was pretty shocking to me. So I was like, "Wow!" Uh, <laughs> well, they shot it down your buddy Al Sharpton at the border. <laughs> oh, did I didn't hear anything about him? What did he went? Did he go to the border? I know Maxine Waters was there talking about something's worse than slavery. She was hideous what she said the other week. <laughs> He's an idiot. I, she just looked like I, an idiot. But I, they shot. They shot it. About? I couldn't. L. Sharp, said last you couldn't hear him. You couldn't hear him. I, I don't know what he was well, talking I know, about. I know I heard her last week, and you know Maxine. Sometimes early on in her career was a, uh, was a champion for uh, a, a black American, but lately, I mean, the Black Caucus is no. I call it no more. I, I say it's it's gone. By the way, but she she just recently said on the border that what was happening to the Haitians was worse than slavery. And I said, Are we serious? What did she just? <laughs> I, I that like, they don't been to 10, 11 countries <laughs> on their own. I, How is it worse than slavery? I, I, I was like, what is she talking about? I mean, it was literally, I, 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 I've not seen anything. Uh, I, and I, I ain't know. kidding, I, now. Was, you asked me what was Sharpton <laughs> talking about? I don't know. I couldn't hear him. They were shutting just down. <laughs> <laughs> well, All I could see was his yeah. lips moving. Al's been gone a long time. I, a lot, most even when he went showed up in Ferguson, they booed him out of Ferguson. So it, I, it, I don't think I think he's lost a lot of credibility with Black America the last maybe uh, maybe fifteen years. He used to have a lot of credibility, but now he, even the Black Caucus has lost a lot of credibility. You know the Black, oh, the black Caucus. Same. Yeah, but you know the Black Caucus has is no longer fighting for Black American issues. They're fighting for everybody issues except. <laughs> well, now it's more immigrant caucus. That's what I call it. The immigrant, you know. And you know <laughs> what? I'm gonna tell you something. People are beginning to realize, and that's a damn good thing. They shouting it, it down. Running, that's a damn good thing. It is. It really I'm is. actually very shocked that the, but Black America has always been conservative. It's just the socialist part they have had a problem with. with and so now you're you're starting to see that more and more show up more conservative thought in Black America. More people are saying, "Hey, you know, we ain't got to like uh, Donald Trump, but we we maybe he was a, he was much better than Biden." <laughs> you know, well, I see, here's the thing. Yeah, I think he's, yeah. If you become on a on a higher social economic level, you gonna you don't have no need for no democratic because they hold you in those positions where they use you, whether it's the public schools and surely at the poll. I'm gonna let you get back to your show. Okay. All right, thank you. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, you know what? I that the Democratic Party has had such a stronghold in Black America. I'm glad to see it loosening, but I also believe that's why the Democrats are uh, 
attempting, my personal opinion, to bring more people in at the border and everything because I believe they see black America becoming more and more conservative, not just conservative, but black American expanding its thought. Like, you know, I'm more, I lean more conservative, but I'm a, I'm a little bit, I believe in a little bit of everything, socialism, a little bit, not socialism all the way, because I think socialism is a bad idea by itself, but I believe a, a capitalism mixed, mixed with some socialist aspects. I like public school. I know people don't, but I went to school, I'm schooled in public school, some real good ones at the time. So I think that, you know, it depends. I, I, I think that capitalism has to be regulated. But I also believe I'm a capitalist, and I also like capitalism, <laughs> right? So uh, I think that there is, but Black America is expanding its thought about things, and I love to see that. We're not necessarily uh, uh, completely, we're not Republicans, we're not Democrats, but we, we're, you're starting to see Black people have more independent thought, and I love that shit. I love Black people starting to think independently. And, you know, hey, I can – listen, I know a lot of people don't like Candace, but, you know, I don't – sometimes I think Candace, I be saying, what the hell is she talking about, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. But at the same time, I can listen to her. There's something she has said that is been smart. There's some things that I just dis- totally disagree with her about. Sometimes I think, you know, I'll be like, she's a female – she's female Uncle Ruckus. But other than that, you know – uh, I think we ought to be able to expand our mind and listen to some some things outside of the, the Democratic Party, and it's going to be hard for us to loosen our stronghold, the stronghold of the Democrats that they've had on Black America for so long. But I'm sorry, I'm really glad to see it loosening up. It's really good. It's good news for us, okay? And including about the immigrant issue, because I think a lot of Black America have, except Piani just said it, you know, that a lot of people, a lot of foreign, you know, uh, people don't tend to care about black Americans. But the thing is they come in and they, a lot of, not all of everybody, we've got some strong allies across the board in the diaspora and in, and in Africa. But at the same time, a lot of the times the people who come here, sometimes they're more from the elite classes and stuff like that. And a lot of times, they have a strong dislike for African-Americans. And so it's like we are hitting our head up against the wall if we keep fighting for people to be in a country who don't want to uh, work with us or don't even want to like it. What are we working for you for? <laughs> so it's sort of like uh, who's going to treat us worse than white supremacy. So, I, you know, I have totally – I am against illegal immigration. I am – and I – and as much as I have an affinity for uh, the Haitian Revolution for 200 years ago and the Haitians and their and, the, uh, and what they did, uh, at the same time, you know, I heard Black Authority Jason Black say something this weekend. He said the spirit of Dessaline and Tucson Lovatra is dead. You know, and that's what wasn't it? And what's what they were saying? You know, uh, Pianchi was just saying the same thing. Like I saw some grown men. They didn't. They they can't clean up where they at. It, it's interesting. Why not clean up Haiti? <laughs> I mean, it's like you have a whole country, you have a whole island. Like, why not work to get it, work for it to get better? You know, you how much running can you do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we realized, Black Americans realized a long time ago, has fucked up as the situations can be here in America. It's our home. We ain't got nowhere to go. <laughs> 
so, you know, some people go to other places, but most of us are right here on the floor because this is it, you know. So it, it, the question becomes, I mean, I mean, if we do, do we really want to side with people who can't uh, maintain their own black republic? And I hate to say that. You know what I'm saying? My favorite, y'all know my favorite singer, like my crush for life. is <laughs> Maxwell, he's Asian. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, I'm like, damn, you know, really, I have to really think about it. I mean, but like literally I heard, I listened to Black Authority the other day and some other shows. There was tons of shows on YouTube and literally phone call from first generation Haitians. They were being very honest. Not only Haitians, but Jamaicans, all kinds a lot of them who were great allies, who have become great allies of black America, a lot of them were calling me and saying, I've become a black sheep in my family because I like black Americans. I've become a black sheep. They don't really like them. Our parents don't really like them. I'm like, damn, what the fuck? And I've heard that tons. I used to hear that in my church. I went to church where the church I went to in Kansas City. We had different people. And I used to hear that all the time from Africans. I would hear some real shit. I'd be like, really? Y'all be talking that shit about us? You know what we, you know what we've been, we've endured and we've been through. And so it's like, what the fuck? It's like, you got to correct your people. It's no way we can be taping for y'all and to, to, to get into this country. And you can't, you ain't even trying to help your own. And then when you get here, you sit here and you talk shit about the people who made it possible for you to come. It's like, we got to stop. We can't, we can't. We, we sow a seed on bad ground. And we spent his African-Americans. African-Americans have come to the end of the road with Pan-Africanism. And I am glad. It doesn't mean we don't love the people of Africa. It doesn't mean we don't love the people in the diaspora. But it means we got to put us first because we have spent a lot of fucking time putting everybody else first, trying to side and tape up with everybody. Oh, maybe they're going to help us fight this war with white supremacy. Oh, maybe they're going to help us. And they ain't helped us do it. They ain't <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually become more confusing and more uh and we become l- more weak and it's just at this point we got to do our own nation building and so does Haiti. Haiti needs to go and do its own nation building. And Black America, we need to become more aware of foreign policy. We need to understand what foreign policy, what we, you know, nobody likes imperialistic governments. I agree with you. Dick Carnell was talking about that this week. Nobody likes imperialistic. And I've like not liked over the years what America has done. America has done some things to hurt Haitian growth and stuff over the years. But at the same time, that's why we have to pay. Maybe how we can help our brothers and sisters around the world is how we view foreign policy. And how that how that impacts them around the world, and maybe our votes we can use our votes to that because it, it, this ain't a Democratic or Republican thing. It's been both parties who who okay some shit. So maybe we need to become more independent when paying attention, not just vote Democrat blindly. The Clintons did more damage to Haiti than any people, any group of people. <laughs> Just ask. I think that's secretly partly, that's not all the reason why, but that's a little bit of the reason why Hillary lost the election. I mean, she, she, they, they were, what they did in Haiti was hideous. But they've made so much money off of Haiti, the Clintons. But I digress. Um, and I was talking about this when she was back in, when I, I gave a whole little thing on the show about what they did to Haiti 
when she was trying to run for office back in the day, back in back back when she was trying to run against Trump. It's hideous what they hideous. Plus, so and they're Democrats. Okay, so I mean, maybe we the what we owe our brothers and sisters around the world is to become more astute and more understanding of foreign policy and how it impacts them so that they can be able to stay in their own homelands and begin to fight for their own freedom, much like we do over here on this side. Because, you know, we about that life here, we African-Americans, we about that life. <laughs> we, we've been here on the soil for over over 500 years, so we are about it, okay? So they maybe they and like I heard uh, uh, Jason say, and I totally agree with him. We have been fighting against the biggest military on this planet, and if we can do it as Black Americans and ask for our rights and ask for this, and shit, I can go back over there and handle them, uh, the people that fucking up Haiti, and start to uh, set set your foreign policy and stuff in place and everything. So you know, hey, if you could be, if I mean. Think about the spirit of the spirit of the Haitian Revolution. What happened during that time? I mean, I don't, I you know um, about what they did. It was damn near impossible. Okay, I mean, you are gonna have to damn near do the impossible again. And many people can do it. Hey, but it ain't our problem no more. Shit, we gotta fuck that. We can't help y'all no more. We we got our own shit. <laughs> it is what it is. And I don't mean to sound real mean and real sad and everything like that. Like I say, maybe we have our obligations to diaspora and how we we wield foreign policy in America and making sure we pay attention more. But the hell no. We can't we can't we y'all gonna break infrastructure down and black people already uh, looking at being broke by 2030, the last fucking thing we need is more immigrants over to be able to compete, have to compete against, our people have to, to compete against, and everything. That shit is not going to fly. And we're going to have our infrastructure broke down. Okay? So, and we, as citizenship is supposed to mean something. Shit. Being citizens, and we are the people who built the shit. So we, yes, we see ourselves as coming first. So it is what it is, okay? All right, let's talk about this. The Fuji. <laughs> the Fuji bag. <laughs> the Fuji this week decided <laughs> they're going to get back together. Almost. How long has this shit been? I mean, it depends. When, how, when was the last time the Fuji's ass was talking about being together? Because, you know, I don't give a shit no more. I mean, you know, I, don't, I hope y'all just. They kicked off their show this week at Global Citizens Live. Now, I've heard mixed reviews. Was Lauren on time? I am. This is, Lauren talking about she, what's that nine song where she talking about she just late because she, what she say something about she doing God's work or something? I forget what she said, but it was some bullshit because it wasn't God's work she was doing that time when she was late for when she went to her kid's birthday party. Now, ain't nobody going to be waiting for Lauren's ass for no three hours. That's bullshit. Now, like, okay, like, when you go, when I go to a concert, I know there's opening acts. I, I sit through, that's what we do. But if, when 9.45 comes, 10 o'clock, I expect your ass to be promptly out on stage when you're supposed to be. You don't be coming out on the motherfucking stage 1 o'clock at night. <laughs> I would, 
damn years too late. These motherfuckers talk shit about reuniting, and Lauren's like, no, I don't want to reunite. You know, she's feeling some sort of way. You know Lauren fucked up in the yard. She was fucked up still by Wycliffe out there. And I ain't mad at her. She, she made the whole, wasn't the miss a whole miseducation, like a Wycliffe love story or something? I don't know. Was it? I mean, I can understand. It's hard, okay? When you love somebody, you be mad at their ass, and you're like, I'm mad. I don't like your ass some more. I love you, but I don't like your ass. I don't know if I necessarily want to tool with you. Even if you with somebody else, that it seemed like her and White Class show enough had a thing. When she seen that song, what's that song? She get that song. Oh, that song. What is it? The, what's the song on Miseducation? Uh, oh, God dang it. I forget the name of it. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, the slow song where I keep letting you back in, but you rather make it hard. Loving you is like a battle, but we both end up with scars. Ah! All type of relationships, they so fucking toxic, and they feel so good. <laughs> Tell me who I have to be to get some reciprocity. No one loves you more than me, and no one ever we up, Lauren. You know, that was some real love shit. I mean, that was, she loved the shit out of Wycliffe. Wycliffe was married, okay? Yeah, he was. He wasn't no religion. You know what the shit was. That was, a, that was a cold ass affair. So I understood why Lauren didn't want to, you know, come back together. Lauren was like, this motherfucker, I'm literally heart for. And you know, what Lauren had to, she knew, she, she went from the Haitian to the Jamaican. <laughs> Lauren liked her. Lauren, Lauren got a certain taste, okay? So I understood why it took her so long, okay? I could understood. She had to heal. Shit, that relationship took her probably damn near 20 years to heal. <laughs> Even being married, I, you know, she wasn't married to that woman. Being spiritually married, you know the shit she was saying. Uh, spiritually married with five kids. She, her ass had to get still. She had to get over that shit. Wycliffe took her ass up, okay? She made a whole, one of the best albums in history was made allegedly from Wycliffe and Lauren Hill and that shit <laughs> and if and if Miss Education Miss I call Miss Education of Lauren Hill Wycliffe and Lauren's baby. <laughs> Man. It is what it is. Okay, allegedly. All right, okay, so here he is. This is according to MSN.com. The Fugees are officially back after announcing their first world tour in 25 years, celebrating the milestone anniversary of their 1996 album, The Score. Lauren Hill, Wycliffe John, and Prize Michael reunited Wednesday in New York City for their first performance together in 15 years, which was taped as a part of Saturday's 24-hour live stream for Global Citizens, live 2021. The group performed their single, Ready or Not, for the enthusiastic audience, which was later streamed as part of the Global Citizens event, teasing what's to come for their 12-city international tour. Now, can you motherfuckers get through 12 cities? <laughs> can y'all do it? Because, I mean, if I buy a ticket, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to talk shit. <laughs> if you're late. Lauren's talking that shit, her and Watt ain't getting together along. What I know. I I said twenty Gigi. You mofos should be over it by now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, Global Citizen 24-hour broadcast from cities around the world called uh, G7 countries and the European Union to share at least 1 billion COVID-19 vaccine doses with the most need, most in need to support the call uh, for the waiver of COVID-19 vaccine. Okay, you know, let's go skip all that. Uh, respect the miracle, respect the miracle of this union. Hill 46 told the crowd, according to the Guardian, well, shit, it is a miracle. You ain't never lied. <laughs> now we got to see if y'all make it through the miracle. The group finally kicked off their secret show at Pier 17 rooftop venue after a delay of more than three hours, uh-uh, uh-uh, during which the audience had to surrender their phones. Fuck that. Okay, you're going to be three hours motherfucking late, and then you're going to ask people to give up their phones? Y'all ain't shit. Don't be dumb. I'm telling you right now, I will not wait three hours. No, no, no. I don't think you are here enough. I ain't got to wait three hours. Bullshit. Okay, for to see the Fuji. Fuck that. I will tell you, Lauren, you better have Lauren's ass on time. Why, Clever Prize? Y'all better tell her ass that the show is at five o'clock so that her ass can be on stage at eight. <laughs> Ain't nobody playing this game with her ass. No, no, and no, and no. And she ain't gonna give no spiritual damn crazy ass. Well, you know, the sky was pink and God spoke to me and said, you know, you need to minister to your soul for two hours. No, 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 no. We ain't got time for Lauren to do that. Get, lie to her every night, okay? <laughs> the Fuji's will continue. Um, uh, they said they also treat the audience their sons, Kimmy Sopley, Fuji La, and uh, uh, perform his rendition uh, and Gene 51 performed his rendition of Bob Marley's No Woman, No Cry. The Fugees will continue to the U.S. leg of the, their tour on November 2nd in Chicago before wrapping up the shows in Paris, London, and Nigeria and Ghana, okay, throughout December. They announced a reunion tour on Tuesday, just the day before the pop-up show at a previously undisclosed location in New York. Hmm. Okay, so the Fugees have a complex but impactful history. I wasn't aware of the 25th anniversary had arrived until someone brought it to my attention, Hill said in a statement. I decided to honor this significant project. It's a girl, you must need a check. Your ass must need a check. <laughs> we, yeah, you, you, are, you ready to honor that shit now. You need the check. I see you, Lauren. You need some check. Don't be spiritualizing it. Your ass need a check. <laughs> so funny. She's so cute. She's deep as fuck, but she's also, you know, she's one of the, she, she, she's going to simplify her shit. I'll simplify it for you. You need some money, girl. Probably. Anyway, he'll say the same. I signed the Honor Significant Project. It's anniversary and fans who appreciate the music by creating a peaceful platform where we can unite, perform the music we love, and set an example of reconciliation for the world. Jean added, I, as I celebrate 25 years with the food, she's my first memory was what we vowed from the gate. We would just do music. We would be a movement. We would be a voice for the unheard in these challenging times. I'm grateful once again that God has brought us together. Uh, formerly known as the Translator Crew, the Fugees debuted in the early 90s and went on to release their debut album, Blunted on Reality, in 1994. The score was their second final album, going seven-time platinum, has one of the best-selling albums in the world with two Grammy Awards, Okay. Although the group was initially only together for five years, their status as one of the most influential hip-hop acts has long been solidified. They last reunited in 2005 
for the single Take It Easy, okay? Um, listen, it's a crapshoot to, to buy a ticket. I will probably buy it, try to go to one of the shows out of town, you know, or something like that. I'm thinking about going right now. Um, no, I am getting ready to go for a show <laughs> out of town. <laughs> but I will probably go again out of town for to see them if they don't come to my area. I'll definitely, but if she's an hour late, fuck that. I'm putting insurance on the ticket so my ass can make sure I got to see what the the insurance thing is, so I can give my get my money back, cause I ain't got time to play with Lauren's ass. Ain't nobody waiting three hours. I don't want to see the Fuji that bad. My time is valuable. I ain't got time for her to be on, on those shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know here, you know what the Fujis are because they were so great and so brilliant. But you know, I, the Fujis are, are are an example of that you don't. Uh, you don't fuck around with people where you make your money. You know what I'm saying? You know, is that the example of the Fuji? You know, some of the most spiritual. Hey, I tell people all the time. Some of the most spiritual people in the world. A lot of people say, "Learn heal, teach some spiritual." David's messing with why clapping and then rolling. You know. But some of the most spiritual people in the world, listen, myself included, can be fucked up. I'm just tell y'all true. We can have we can have a lot of mess in our mind. <laughs> All right, we can have a lot of stuff going on, and you can be truly spiritual. I mean, because the spirituality is in the growth. Okay, it's not in just you know we learn from the lessons in which we we went through, and that doesn't mean we don't go through some fucked up lessons. <laughs> Right, Lauren was doing some messed up lessons. I can't wait for her ass to write a book. I don't know if her ass will be absolutely honest. Like, if she wrote a book about her life, I mean, not no bullshit, not no seriously. I was in, no, she writes some real shit, like what, whatever, <laughs> like real shit about her life. Because I've heard the stories over the years. I mean, the why crap years, I heard, I've heard the Ronin years. You know, I think she would have a lot of lessons for young girls. That's why I never wanted Lauren Hill to leave, because I feel she left the world to the devices of Rihanna and Beyonce. No offense, Beyonce. Maybe a little offense. And I love Rihanna, but I feel like she left the world to the devices of people who don't sing too much about shit, right? But Lauren, oh, my God. Lauren was a flawed individual who... Had a sermon, like to preach, like a sermon to give, and I felt like she left in the middle of giving the fucking sermon, and I'm like, stop it! Where are you at? Where's she? Just went heartbreak every time. You know, leave it to a man. You know, to break your heart. It can be spiritual. I mean, every woman, every spiritual woman has had that thing with that one man. I was even. I was reading the story of, uh, I used to love the story of Catherine Kuhlman. Now, a lot of people don't know who Catherine Kuhlman is. Catherine Kuhlman is one of my spiritual idols to this day, okay? Catherine Kuhlman was a very, she was a Christian, but Christian background. Uh, she was, in Christian circles, she was known as one of the most powerful uh, ministers of all time. She said that God gave her, this was her, her always the thing she said about herself, God gave her, power that seven men had rejected, okay? And people in Hollywood, Catherine Coleman in the 70s, she used to have huge crowds. She'd pack out arenas and everything. She was a minister. She healed people and everything. 
and she people would like she would walk through a room and people would fall out and stuff because they would feel like the Holy Spirit was on her so heart uh, so you know so cold you know so much like she was so spiritual just a a spiritual giant to everybody uh, and uh, she had a lot of Hollywood people that would come to her and she would minister it was she was just a very spiritual person but a lot of people don't know Catherine's background that Catherine had fell in love with a married preacher when she was uh, when she was uh, touring or something years ago, and she tells this story, I mean, in her book, but she talks about how much she loved him. Like there was nothing, and she was deeply, this is, a, this is Catherine Kuhlman, one of the spiritual leaders of the 20th century. And she said that she had, she felt that that was her, her, her sacrifice to give up because she knew she had to give the relationship up because he wasn't going to leave his wife or whatever. And she said it was that moment she knew. When she gave up that relationship, she said she knew she loved God more than anything. And it's such a powerful, you know, so I think so many spiritual women, and, and, and that's an interesting story because she said she loved that man. I think she, if I remember hearing the story, she loved that man for the rest of her life. You know, and so it wasn't that she wasn't, she just gave it up because she wanted to minister or whatever more than she wanted to be with him and be his side forever or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but you, do you think about people like Lauren Hill, who I think is another spiritual, not just a singer. I don't see Lauren as a singer. I think she, I don't know if she even got, I see Lauren as very spiritual. And I think that she's had so many hiccups and ups and downs and, everything over the years and she's kind of ran and hid or whatever but I really think Lauren is one of those powerful prophetic voices that got that has such a such a story that she can tell to young women about love life music creativeness everything I just wish she would let ego go and really show up. And show the hell up. Cut the bullshit. You flow out, okay? Cut the bullshit. We already know. We already know your story. <laughs> we done heard the stories about those outside. And allegedly, did nobody know. I ain't gonna go. Yeah, I ain't gonna go into it. You know, y'all know what the story is about Zion. I, I'm not. Anyway. But y'all know the story. We've seen her daughter on IG talking about my mom crying and stuff talking about how her parents, you know, messed her up in some senses. Listen, it's it's real. I don't know why she hides. She's got a story to tell, and I really hope she doesn't leave this generation again with her ego. Because she's got an inflated-ass ego. Spiritual people can have inflated-ass egos because they know they got great gifts. Now, Catherine Kuhlman did not have it. Catherine Kuhlman had humbled her. She was such a beautiful soul from what I've heard from everybody. Even when I was at ORU, I hear stories about Catherine Kuhlman. But you can't have an inflated ego. That's what her problem is. And I just, you know, listen, my hope is for Lauren is that the ego falls. Like, it goes away. And that she literally becomes what she was meant to be in the first place. I mean, the moment you, you felt her voice, the moment she decided to do whatever fuck she decided to do, leave the music business, whatever the reasons why. I know she's raising children and everything like that. But she let, it was such a void where I think her voice should have been. 
So I hope she's ready to give that voice to the world, not just reunite with the Fugees, but she's really ready to take on her mantle. Now, I think if she's not, she's going to fuck up the tour. <laughs> so, you know, let's see. Okay. All right, Carlotta. Hey. Is Kelly Price still missing out here? Has Kelly Price showed up on IG yet? Y'all got to let me know. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see, Kelly, because you know. Shit, I right? Because I'm keep talking about it. Kelly Price showed up. And you know what? We haven't had a voice like Lauren Hill since. We haven't. There's nothing like that. She, she, Lauren wasn't just, Lauren wasn't normal. Lauren was like anointed kind of like, because she was like a preaching a preaching vibe to it. She was something about Lauren. Lauren's deep. You ever hear her talk like post Ronan? I mean, <laughs> I mean, not, what, what was right after Ronan? I mean, right in right in the beginning of Ronan when she first started winning all them awards and she would go talking different things. There wasn't as much ego there to me. And something was different. I mean, she would say something. Wow. I mean, you hear some of those talks. But anyway, I'm saying we're looking for Kelly Price. Let's see. Has anybody found Kelly Price yet? Has Kelly Price been found? Anybody hear anything yet? I don't see nothing. I don't see nothing live from Kelly Price. Uh, Twitter. Okay, so Monday, I'm hoping that if we ain't hearing nothing about from Kelly Price by tomorrow or something, we need to see. She, Kelly Price needs to be on the news, okay? We need to be hearing more and more. We need to be hearing where is Kelly Price. Okay, uh, so let me look. Here is Kelly Price. Let me see. Y'all don't know. No. I'm not hearing anything new. So, sound like to me she's still missing, okay? So, prayers for Kelly Price and her family, all right? But, yeah, but hopefully we, we be seeing it like this white girl was all over the news for the last 10 weeks, okay? And, you know, uh, uh, Kelly Price should be over the news just the same way, Okay. Uh, Janet and Jermaine Dupree, like Janet sent him a birthday thing that, you know, had everybody going crazy. You know, here's the thing. I really like Janet and Jermaine. I do. I like Janet and Jermaine together. I I love the Janet and Jermaine years. It feels like Janet was so happy during those years, Okay. But anyway, it says, I told y'all, this is according to Atlanta Blackstar, Janet Jackson sends her ex Jermaine Dupree a touch and post in honor of his birthday. Bow wow, Nelly is fine. Janet Jackson took to Instagram on Thursday, September 3rd, to commemorate her ex Jermaine Dupree's birthday by sharing throwback photo of her former couple, of the former couple with a brief suit message. Dupree, who turned 49 the same day, began dating Jackson in the early 2000s. The pair ultimately ended their relationship in 2008 because of living arrangements. In social media, posting or wrote, send you love today at Jermaine Dupree, at Jermaine Dupree. immediately following Jackson's upload, the Shade Moon post, reposted the image on his Instagram page. Hesitant Bauer, Bauer responded in the site's comment section by saying he was previously, he previously informed everybody about the former couple missing each other months ago. Chad Moss, I told y'all, let me stop. JD gonna kill you, but I'm praying. We close, close. We close. We close. Nelly and Shad Mush. Listen, I have never thought Janet got over Jermaine Dupree. I don't know what the fuck he did to fuck that up. I don't know what he did. But I was actually shocked because he used to have that little uh, 
like reality thing. He used to do that oceans thing on YouTube, and we used to get Janet. It, I knew she was in love because she was giving up like private moments between him. Like she'd be in the bed in the morning, he'd be running into the room, jumping on the bed. Like he see Janet Jackson waking the fuck up. He like, like you know you ain't got this. I mean, but she seemed so happy. Like he was like he she was cooking in the in the kitchen one time, and he was coming. I was like, she's in love with this. I just got a little bug. She's in love with him. She, I mean, she, and she seemed more into him than he was in her. I was like, what? I mean, listen, Shani was happy, happy. I don't know what he did to jack that shit up, but I always felt that that the dude that she married was a rebound. I feel uh-uh. and a rumors part. I ain't gonna say. But the rumors was she was allegedly hollering at Jermaine still when she was married. But I, you ain't heard that shit from me. Maybe that's going to be in a documentary and shit. Part. <laughs> hey, that's what people were saying. The husband was feeling dis- allegedly feeling disrespected because they still had a relationship. I could, I could see why he would feel that way. Janet and Jermaine seem like the real Janet seem. I think Jermaine just started thinking he was a shit a little bit. Like you should have been glad as fuck to be with Janet. But now I think you know. I feel like they both mature now. Oh, I would love to see it if Jermaine can handle his shit because she seems so happy with him. I've never seen her smile so much, be so relaxed, be so talkative. Be so like, just feeling like you know. I like she like there was this one video. I mean, I was personally at the thought of it, kind of like ooh. But for her, I was happy. You know, I remember she was eating some French fries from McDonald's French fries for her birthday, which was he used to take every day. And she was like, and he was like, he said, "What you doing?" And she was like, "I'm eating my fries or something like this." She was, and she was like, "You know, I'm gonna something with you." I was like, "What?" Ah, the visual was fucked up, but. I knew she was in love because she was talking about, I'm going to get with you. You know what I'm saying? She was, hey, she was, I was like, oh, you're going to be rope burning with Jermaine, huh? Like, she in, she's in Lala. Lala, I'm surprised she didn't get pregnant by his ass. I'm really surprised at that because she was in love, Lala, Lala, it looked like. It looked like she was in Lala. I remember they had one one thing on a plane. I ain't going to say what they was talking about. That's how much, yes, he used to have this little reality thing on YouTube, and you could see all these videos of him and Janet traveling. Boy, they be saying some stuff to each other. Listen here. <laughs> I'm like, she in love. Like, she's for real. She's really in love with Jermaine Dupree's ass. <laughs> so I want her to feel that kind of love again. You know? Yeah, I love it. I like them be back together. They're both older. His ass realized he fucked up when she got married. He, he realized. I think Jermaine realized. That's why his friends is on there going, because Jermaine working hard as fuck to get her back. I see. I see. Keep working, Jermaine. You might have a chance out in the street. Okay? You might have a chance. You might get it. You might get her back. She's a Taurus. You know the Taurus is, though. You got to give them the last luxury. You can't just go. You can't. You just can't come to a Taurus. Talk about it. You want them back. You got to be able to promise him, you know, because she just ain't got that. She ain't got paid with that 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 man she divorced. 
you know, that's Tarsus like that shit. They love the lap. They love sensuality and the lack of, lack of luxury. They can get paid and eat. You know how that shit goes. Hey, Jermaine, so you got to be offering good food, good sex, good food, good dick, and money. <laughs> Those are the Tarsus' main thing. Oh, my mid hazens in Tarsus. But those are the three things you have to offer a Taurus. <laughs> All the Taurus is like, hell yes, my mom used a Taurus, I know. <laughs> okay, so Jermaine, you better come with it if you want that back, okay? You know, you got to come with that. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see them back together, though. That would be really good. Oh, man, I'm excited for that. I hope he isn't lying. You know, Chad ain't lying. Chad be getting extra excited. Okay. Did we talk about Beyonce pinning a letter for her 40th birthday? I've only got five minutes left. Maybe I'll wait to go into the uh, – I'm going to – here's what I'll do. I'll go into overdrive in a few minutes. Well, we may have time to talk about a little bit of it. We got so much other stuff to talk about. I didn't talk about Charlemagne's new show. Okay, the only thing you can say about Charlemagne's new show is that it is, what in the world? Comedy Central. It's over the top. You know what it feels like Robin Thede's show on crack? Remember Robin Thede had that show on, on, on BT? The best thing about it was that Maxwell showed up in a robe. <laughs> that was my favorite episode. Other than that, I was like, eh. But that's what Charlemagne's show was like. It's Charlemagne's show is like, it's Robin Thede on crack. It, Robin Thede's black woman sketch. Like, he's he got all these sketches. It's hideous. Oh, you got to do, bro. You got to, bro. Charlemagne, I said, you, you got to do better than that. Oh, Lord. It, it, my first episode watching it was last night. I could barely get through it. I was like, help us. It was, it was some of the worst shit I've ever seen. You know, it would have played really well in the late 80s, early 90s. But I think people got to understand the time space they in. Some of the same shit, these sketches don't go off the same way. You know? People got to really pay attention to the shit they be telling. <laughs> Who told Charlie that was funny? Some of the shit they was doing last night. It's not funny. It was not funny. The shit was not funny. Anywho. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Beyonce's letter in the overdrive. A couple of y'all was asking me if I go into the Lights Home Festival. Yeah, I am. Carlotta, yeah, you know what? I decided to do both. But I think I'm going to do two. I'm going to be traumatized now if these shows don't go off in New York. I'm going to do it just for that. You know, little Chloe convinced me that I needed to be at the Light Tone Festival. At first, I was like, I don't want to see this shit. I, you know, I don't want to see anything. Somebody said, you lying, Carlotta. Maxwell's there. No, seriously. I'm, <laughs> I know y'all think because Maxwell's going to be there. But no, really, seriously. Maxwell, I really, there's so many other people I want to see that's on the show. I wanna, you know, I, I do want to see her in New York. And I do want to see Victoria Monet. I do want to see uh, Chloe. And I do, there's a few others on that show. I really want to see. So, yeah, and I think seeing it in New York will probably be really 
different, you know? I like to see how a New York crowd works in a concert, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of, that's my little, that's my B-Day trip to myself, <laughs> right? So, yeah, so I will be doing a review for you guys. I come back, when I come back in New York, and I will tell you guys about that show. So, yes, I am. So, you guys who wanted me to go see her and some of y'all were talking, yes, I'm going to go. I'm going to see her, and not just in, te- in Texas, but I'm going to actually go to New York to see both nights of the Light Song Festival, okay? I am. Going specifically for that, okay? So, I think it'll be a lot of fun, okay? So, uh Yeah. We are going into overdrive. For those of you who are listening to the show, you want to hold on to the phone lines, and the number is uh, you want to call in for the next couple of minutes if you want to be on live with me when I go on to uh, overdrive. If not, you'll have to wait to the archive show to listen to the show. But, you guys, I'm going into overdrive. For those of you who are leaving right now, who are listening over the Internet, uh, you know what? Have a wonderful weekend. I will see you guys next week, okay? We're going to leave out with... Uh, buddy, music soul child, okay? I am out. See y'all. And for those of you who are on the phone line, stay on. We're going into overdrive, okay? If I alarm you, I don't mean to bother you. I just wanna get you to pause and slow your walk. So maybe we can talk and I can try to charm you. Just trying to find out who you are. I don't mean to come off like a telemarketer. I ain't no hood, no crook, no robber. I just want to part of your heart. I can borrow sometimes. And maybe I can call you up. And maybe I can take you out. So let's Change digits and later arrange digits Either your face or mine Yeah, it's a different type of commitment Yeah, I'm talking about a true friendship Yeah, someone I can depend on and be down No matter what, let me know if you're with it Cause girl, it'll be Disrespectful on my convo is a little bit too sexual But damn, it's incredible, be more flexible Cause the context of this text is special But wait, let me explain it A buddy is an equal beneficial arrangement A buddy is a buddy that don't be complaining with Here's a her buddy, ain't a buddy that came with some And maybe I can call you up And maybe I can take you out so let's exchange digits and later arrange digits Either your face or mine, yeah It's a different type of commitment I'm talking about a true friendship Someone I can depend on If you down no matter what Let me know what you're with it Cause girl, it'll be you are my up y'all okay so i said i was gonna do a couple of things in overdrive beyonce she pins a letter for her 40th <laughs> alleged 40th birthday <laughs> oh no it was a great letter okay
okay? And she talked about, you know, in the letter about how being 40 is, she felt she felt the best that she's felt in her life. And, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I love that. I'm glad for her. Welcome to the 40s club. I've said that, Beyonce, it is going to be a ball. 40s is like a time of coming of age. It is a time of transition. It is a, a transition into your, I mean, listen, you're still youthful. But you're mature too. Like, you know? Speaking of that, like this week, a sideboard from Beyonce. So I was in class this week and I was painting, you know, and everything. So I was talking to the kiddos, right? So they were asking me all about, you know, uh, oh, because they know I like astrology. What did they do? They were throwing out their astrological stuff to me. And like, what do you think of blah, 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 blah? And I'm telling them we're having this. And they're like, Keisha, like, Oh my, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, well, when I was coming up, it wasn't like that. And they're like, how old are you? Right? And I said, oh, I'm in my 40s. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. They're like, like, so they get quiet. Everybody's quiet. I said, 48. They're like, oh. I, mean, I was like, I felt shit. They made my week. They couldn't believe it. They were so shocked. <laughs> the kiddos were too shocked. They were like, I can't believe you look damn good. They were, I mean, they were just so, and they, the whole, uh, the whole uh, thing at class after that, they kept going, wow. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's great. I feel good. Thank you. They made my, them little kids, them young kids made my week, okay? <laughs> but anyway, Beyonce, that's the kind of look. The 40s are great, girl, so enjoy. I ain't got nothing mean to say, Beehive. I liked her little letter. I'm glad that she spoke. Shit, she can talk. Except saying, by Blue Ivy. I mean, by Ivy Park. <laughs> well, she can't talk. Her ass be writing. <laughs> Beyonce, let me tell you something. You 40 years old now. Fuck them what they think about your voice. I know that's why the reason you don't like to talk. Because people be saying they need cap, closed captions and shit to hear you speak. Fuck that. No, you talk now. You 40 years old. You a grown ass. You grown grown. Like you said, you a grown ass one. Okay? Put... Start talking, girls. Talk, 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 talk. Damn, damn what they think about your, uh, you're showing your ass. You might as well start talking, okay? Speaking of that, yeah, I mean, it's so exciting to see her just say anything besides Ivy Park, by Ivy Park. <laughs> I mean, she don't even say by Ivy Park. She just come up with some Ivy Park advertising. Ivy Park. <laughs> <gasps> But you know what's really fly, though? I will say this, okay, about I, the newest line is ugly here. I ain't going to lie to her. I ain't going to lie. But the tennis shoes is dope. It's like several this is several things in tennis shoes. They have, they got these blue and white ones with the thick sole. Like, it's like a thick, it's a, and it's got the thing across it. I just bought them. They were so cute. Oh, my God. Okay, Beyonce, see Beehive? See, I can be a part of the hive, too. I did, okay? I did, I did, I did. Because <laughs> it, it's great for this jumpsuit I want to wear, you know, for her night, for, 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 for whatchamacallit. You know, when we go to, we're, we're, we're for, for the, uh, for, what is it? For the festival. And I thought, oh, yeah, I can wear these that night, you know, when I see her. You know, I, got, I try to be a little youthful for you guys because it's a more youthful festival. You know, so I'm trying to figure out, like, what can I wear youthful because, it's a young people fan. I think the oldest shit, only oldest thing on there is Maxwell, and Maxwell looks young as hell. So I don't, I mean, you know, so it's, it's I mean, he's literally the second night. So 
So the first night I need to do something a little bit more youthful. Second night I'm going to be, you know, a little bit more youthful. Second night I, I haven't looked at the lineup yet. But Chloe Bailey's on the second night. That's who I want to see, Chloe. And on the first night, there's a, most of the people I want to see is on the, a lot of people I want to see is on the first night. But yeah, I'm excited. Okay, I'm excited to see this too. Okay, so I can't wait to tell y'all about it. Y'all be praying for me. Pray for a safe trip. Pray for a safe. But you know, we gonna have more shows before then. But you know what I'm saying, right? Y'all start praying now. Y'all know how my my praying crew out there be making sure I'm good and stuff like that. Okay. All right. So, what else we got to talk about? We talked about Beyonce's birthday. I'm excited. I happy happy birthday. Welcome to the 40, Beyonce. Happy belated birthday. Welcome to the 40. Just said something nice. It's nice. I ain't going to talk about Charlamagne. I already talked about Charlamagne's terrible shop, okay? He got to do something else before they cancel his ass, okay? Um, let's see. It was something else. It was some other things I wanted to talk to you guys about. Uh, okay. Uh, Fuji's being reunited. Uh, let's talk about Shakari this week. <laughs> Y'all like Shakari? Oh, quite a lot. We can't be talking about Shakari. Shakari's ass. We ain't we through with Shakari's ass. We got two more. Um, three more stories I'm gonna get to. Shakari, we'll talk about her right now. Uh, let's see here. What she? You know, Usain Bolt tried to give her some kind of um advice, and I thought the advice was good. Okay. And uh, this is this is from uh, dot com. Uh, it says Shakari Richardson responded to comments by retired Olympian Usain Bolt, who told the New York Post his fellow sprinter, um, his fellow sprinter should train harder and not say too much. In an Instagram story screenshot by the Shade Room, Richardson shared a social media post that read. Everybody wants to give advice in the media, but none of them actually take the time to speak to her outside the media. So I feel I so I feel her. Stop speaking on me when you don't even speak to me. Richardson added, "Good humbling morning to y'all, and I could not have said it better myself." In an internet in an interview with the Post athlete, Bolt, who's won the Olympic gold eight times. Shakari missing the Olympic because of some weed ass times. <laughs> that I would tell Shakari to train harder and be focused on and not say too much. If you're talking that big talk, you have to back it up. So just train hard and focus on that. He continued and try to come back and do it and then talk about it. <clears throat> Listen. That you think both told no lies. She's won Shikari. Shikari. Shikari who missed the Olympics because you were smoking weed. Here's a guy. He ain't got to speak to your ass. He just gave you some some million-dollar advice. He said you need to shut the fuck up and train more and come back and beat their asses. Then you can talk your ish. This is what I said. I think you saying great. Uh, you should have said thank you. I appreciate that from a man who's done it. But not you, not your ass. Uh, he ain't spoke to me. It'd be better if you talk to me and blah 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 blah. He said he ain't got to talk to you. You miss the Olympics for smoking weed. He ain't got to talk to you. He ain't got to talk. You saying both the one the Olympic gold medal eight. He ain't got to say shit to you with your weed smoking ass. Okay, 
What you need to do is what he said. Okay? I mean, the nerve, the the arrogance of it all. The arrogance. After one month's ban that caused her a spot in the Tokyo Olympic Games this summer, Richardson returned to the track on August 21st at the Prefontaine Classic in Oregon, only to finish last in a 100-meter dash race won by Elaine Thompson-Harrell, who also won the gold in Tokyo. According to both, Shakori Richardson's penchant for trash talking makes her her Jamaican competitors like Thompson-Harrell want to beat her even more, which he's right. He says Jamaicans were vexed because she was talking a lot of shit before the actual race. It's just one of those things, he said. Jamaicans don't like when people talk shit about us because we are very proud people. Well, we are, too. Wait a minute, you saying. Hold the fuck up. We are, too, as black Americans. Now, Shakori's a misguided motherfucker, but we ain't. We very, we are very proud people. And it ain't, and, 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 and you, as you can see, because we got a lot of winners of gold from track and field, too. Hey, you understand. Black Americans are very proud, too. Now, this one right here is something different. <laughs> uh, but so if you talk about us We're going to want to want you to back it up It definitely gave those women In the extra to extra push to win And you know what I think Shakari like I said is one of those naturally Gifted people who doesn't think she has To do the work and she's going to find out She already found out but she's still talking shit She's talking shit to a dude who won Eight times the gold medal I mean just talking shit she, she, and what, He's ready to talk to me again Does he got to talk to you Try to win something first, and then he can talk to you. But he's giving you some very powerful advice. Take it. Yeah. Goodness, this girl can't even say, she can't even just say, you know, thank you for that advice. Man, the man is, is giving me some advice. No, nah, not her. No, she can't even do it. She can't do it. I'm, I'm I'm beginning to think less and less of Shakari because I, you know, you know, it's the thing is she can, she can, she can do, she can do it, but she could probably uh, beat the hell out of. But it is what it is. Michael K. Williams. Michael Williams cause of death revealed by medical examiner. I we had, I said we got three stories is four. The New York medical examiner confirmed actual Michael K. Williams died of a drug overdose. The Post learned from Friday. Williams' cause of death was acute intoxication from a deadly mix of fentanyl, heroin, and cocaine. Damn. A spokesperson for, for the Office of Chief Medical Examiner said his death was ruled accidental. Oh, that shit, was it an accident? Did he say, what did he mix all that shit together? What the world? William 64, best known for his role as Omar Little on the Wild Foundation in Brooklyn Penthouse. Having released, a, uh, having released this uh, determination, what, the office will not comment further on the investigation. Julianne Boston said Friday. The five-time Emmy nominee was discovered uh, face down in the dining room with his luxury pad on Kent Avenue in Williamsburg. With that, with what appeared to be heroin on the kitchen table. He had been scheduled to appear at an event two days earlier, but never showed up. 
a relative came to check on him and cops were called when he was found unresponsive and cold. Okay, so he he's had a, a lot of struggles with substance abuse. It's very sad. It's a very sad ending for such a wonderful, powerful uh, uh, actor in life that was lived. It's very sad. Addiction is a real issue for people. Listen, y'all know what I said about addiction, okay? That is not the way you want to go, okay? Um, from a spiritual standpoint, it's very chaotic, um, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Spiritually, I think that you you want to enter your spiritual uh, eternity in, you know, in a less chaotic way. And drugs are bad. Get off of them. Stay away from them. And as I always do, when we hear about a drug overdose, yeah, I know you. Hey, it's it's a funny song, but it's facts. Okay, I play. F C Boy, since I've been needing to hear him. This is this. It's a word. Okay, so I need to play it after hearing this. Now we know what he died of. So here's F.C. Barnes with a message for y'all to understand drugs are bad. play that song. I like that song now. It's a funny. It's a humorous little song but it's also the truth. I didn't get up out the drug. Listen, it took a great actor's life. Not only a great actor but a great life force. He sounded like a great guy but he was struggling with whatever was going on in his heart and his head. Leave that shit. I mean, leave the drugs alone as S.C. Bourne said. Before you know it, what's that partner? It will kill you dead. You think you're getting ahead, but it will kill you dead. Okay? Can't you see what you for yourself what drugs are doing? It took that brother out. No joke up in these streets. Leave the drugs alone. Lord. That's why I say, you know, and it can happen to anybody. Anybody can get on drugs. Me, you, anybody, okay? You have one bad situation. That's why you got to keep your spirit, mind healthy and just be praying. Like, God, keep me healthy, keep my mind healthy. Because that stuff, that, once you get in that, that's your, it's, 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 it's deep. It's a deep habit to break. And every human can be susceptible to it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, 
stay away. Wow. Okay. What other stuff I said we were going to talk about? Gabrielle Union? You talked about her yet? And the side talking about she was hurt about the side baby? She finally spoke on the side baby? I'm still sitting with Gabrielle Union. Okay, do I have it up? Okay, wait a minute here. See if we can get it up. Okay. Okay, page six. This is according to page six, and this is Gabrielle Union. First time she has spoken on Dwayne Wade's baby uh, by another woman. Uh, she said she Gabrielle Union was left devastated, according to page six, uh, and broken into pieces after Dwayne Wade confessed that he conceived a baby with another woman. The former uh, being Mary Jane star recalls a life-altering moment in her new memoir. You got anything stronger? Saying that she had an NBA, she and the NBA star were not in a good place when the baby was conceived, but were in a much better one when she learned the truth. To say I was devastated is to pick a word on a low shelf for uh, for convenience. There are people, strangers who I will never meet, who have been upset that I have not previously talked about the trauma union rights. I have not had the words, and even after untold amounts of therapy, I am not sure I have them now. But truth matters. The Bring It On star began dating Wade in 2008, and, fathered, and, and he fathered a now seven-year-old son, Xavier, while he and Union were on break. The retired Miami Heat player was also the father of Zori 19 and Zaya 14, as well as the guardian to his nephew, Dehan DeHaven 19. Eventually, Wade and Union married in 2014 and attempted to have their own tra- uh, children. Okay, you've done enough, he said. I look at D with an instantaneous white hot rage astonishment really i was fighting with my husband about what was best for my body did he really think that surrogacy and a baby was our chance to set it right to rebalance union 48 recalls in her memoir i said coolie you're going to have to be the voice of reason now really really uh is that what we're on today he looks me in the eye as much as we want the baby i want you he said slowly we've lost too much in our relationship to me to be okay with encouraging you to do one more thing to your body and your soul uh to the moesha start though the the moesha moesha start admits she felt 39 year old Wade's words were an acknowledgement of failure even though they were met out of concern because of that at that point, I would have to have sold my soul for a win to get out of the endless cycle of loss. What was the going rate for souls? What was mine worth anyway, she writes. The experience of Dwayne having a baby so easily while I was unable to left my soul not just broken in pieces but shattered into fine dust, scattering the wind, she explains. With desperate hands, we gathered what we could to solely remake into something new, Okay. Uh, and I hope, listen, she sounds, Scorpio's, she's a Scorpio. So, you know, we can experience tremendous trauma and pain in our lives sometimes. And we, we feel it when we love someone. We feel it on levels that people cannot imagine. So I know she probably, especially if she got that feeling for Dwayne Wade, child, she probably went through. 
Now, my personal thing is I don't hear her saying things about the child because to me, you just can't marry. When a man has a side baby and you decide to stick with his ass, okay, you need to make sure that you're going to love that child because that's his child. You know what I'm saying? You can't just get in it and ignore the fuck that child. I mean, you know, because I know that she ain't saying nothing about the kid. But, dude, how do you how do you feel about that child now? Because it's not that child's fault. Because Dwayne and and his his uh, side chick decided to get together and and, and and bring it up. Okay. So the question becomes: Is have you gotten healed to such a point that you can accept that child? And love that child has your own, and you've gotten past the betrayal. Because if you you haven't, I suspect within probably the next ten to twenty years, you might be looking like uh, his former wife. You know what I'm saying? So I may, my question is, I, I noticed she didn't say much about that. So I don't know what the memoir is. I have to read the full memoir, I guess. But uh, you know, you have to. You can't get. I tell women, you know, you can't keep. You can't stay in a man's life if you ain't gonna have no love. For that kid, you can't be acting like the baby don't fucking exist. Cause the baby exists, and you create. And anybody who tries to create a, a you try to create a, a a a rift between a man and his seed, unless his seed is acting out or has become something different or something causing you trouble or something. But any a, a child is like because you don't want you mad because he had it with somebody. You have to be able to open, you create problems in your own sphere for later on when you have it because that child will always be out there and you will know it and it will always be in the undertone. Even no matter how much you ignore it, no matter how much you try to put it away, that kid will always be there. So it is important for you to not only acknowledge the child but to be able to accept it. Because what you don't want a, a man when they separate from their kids, they can go through a lot of emotional turmoil and not even know why they're going through it. So you know, if you know, if you people, when you're gonna be a stepmama and all that stuff, make sure you care for the kids. You learn to care for them, unless the kids are just shitty, okay? But learn to care for the kids, because if you can't do that, you're gonna have a hard time. So I'm hoping that that she went through, you know. Sound like she was just trying to have a baby real quick her own, but hopefully she's got some healing enough where she's been able to accept that child. If not, she's not going to do herself any favors and uh, um, are uh, the marriage. Facts, okay. Sometimes they can work it out, but it's always at the at in the beginning, uh, at the in the end of um, it's always there. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Free grocery store in Texas. I love the story, and this is what I'm gonna end the stories with tonight. Okay, but it is um, through when I heard it. It says free grocery store opens in Texas food district, uh, and this is according to NBCNews.com. Uh, it, it, it opens in district with a high number of economically disadvantaged students. Okay. And it says, this month, the principal of Linda Trout High School in the small town of Sanger, Texas, said he was approached by an eighth grader eager to share that he had bought a three-in-one uh, men's shampoo conditioner and body wash. The first thing he did was he said, hey, look in my hair. The principal, Anthony Love, recalled in an interview Tuesday. And so I looked at it, and it looked all clean, Love said, but he was excited about it because it was the first time he ever had his own shampoo. The student who lives with his mother and sister said he had avoided using 
their shampoo because of the smell, Love said. But he finally was able to get his own shampoo as well as food at a new student-run grocery store on the school campus where students can buy food and other essentials without money. It makes you reflect back on yourself and some of the things that we take for granted, and it helps you put life in perspective, Love said of the student encounter. The store, which opened in November, makes canned goods, uh, canned goods, produce, laundry detergent, soap, and other products available free of charge to students and facility and faculty members of the school district and 9,000 residents of Sanger, about 50 miles north of Dallas. Believed to be the first of its kind at a high school, the on-site store was the brainchild of Paul Juarez, executive director of First Refugees Ministers, one of the operation sponsors. Juarez, whose nonprofit provides free medical, dental, mental health, counseling, food, worked in the grocery business for about 20 years. It's where he got his first job as a packing clerk at 16. If we can make our food pantry look like a grocery store and give people a card to shop with as they would any other place, Jerez said, then we can keep dignity in people. Okay? I love that story. Isn't that beautiful that they did that? And they helped so many people, you know, uh, especially with COVID going on and everything. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's uh, – so – it's a wonderful story. I think I posted it on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. You guys probably have to go down through the thing to read the full story. But I thought that was a feel great, feel good story and a great way to end the show, okay? You guys, thank you for hanging out with me. Shit, I got a lot of work to do, okay? My ass got a lot of <laughs> But I wanted to talk to you guys for a minute, okay? So you guys, listen, have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Enjoy it. And I'm going to end it with one of my favorite songs. I like this because it's Saturday night, okay? And y'all, just have a wonderful time. Let's end it with Get Down Saturday Night from Oliver uh, Cheatham, okay? I'm out. See y'all next week, okay? I'm out. Wait a minute, I forgot before I start the song. Oh, God, it was such a good sign-off, too. But I forgot to say this. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you're listening to the archive show. Remember, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. You can also hit me up on Harley's underscore Galaxy on Instagram. You can also hit me up at Carl- C Chatwood Show and Carlotta72 on Twitter. They're both my accounts. A lot of 72, I don't use much, but see chat with show. I post a lot of the news stuff and everything like that, okay? So I'm out. Okay, so now we're leaving with Get, uh, get Down Saturday Night. I'm out, y'all. See y'all. <laughs>
could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.